Hey everybody, this is Sam, that girl with the curls, bringing you another amazing episode of the podcast. Um, which is, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'm sorry, I'm really tired right now, so I'm recording this. Um, not that you care, but yeah, it, uh, the, the words don't follow as quickly with the brain as you would want them to when you are quite tired. Um, but, uh, this is episode 70, which is all about the Berlanti universe of, uh, comic book oriented shows. Uh, this is with my friend Nathan, who you will know from previous podcasts, uh, specifically the one where we talked about the superhero shows uh, during their mid-season finales. Uh, so we don't really cover the entirety of each uh, season uh, of, of, the, of the shows, so we're talking about Arrow and The Flash and um, Legends of Tomorrow and Supergirl, obviously. Um, we were intending to talk about all of superhero TV, but uh, as is the case uh, with uh, certain friends and I, uh, actually most of my friends and I, we would get on our tangents. We you know, we started just talking about a lot of different things because there's a lot going on in some of these shows and sometimes there's a lot and very little. So uh, we ended up, uh, we were going to go long. We, were, we knew we were going to go long. So uh, we cut it off and the episode following this uh, in the, the following week uh, which is going to come out a bit earlier. Uh, that one will be covering more of the Marvel shows as well as Gotham because we just didn't have time to get to it because it don't fall into the line of the Berlanti shows. Uh, so yeah, Nathan and I wanted to talk about these ones specifically because we've at the very least seen all of them. And uh, yeah, we had we had our issues. We also had some good things to say about them as well. So uh, they're they're always a bit of a mixed bag. Uh, I think everyone can kind of agree on that one. Uh, so yeah, uh, enjoy this. Uh, technically a part one, but we're just kind of calling it the blanket uh, Berlanti universe at this point. Uh, technically part one. Uh, it's a long one still, and it's only getting longer the longer I talk. So let's get into it. Uh, episode 70 of That Girl with the Curls. But I mean, I know with Arrow and Flash and Legend of Tomorrow, I have a few things to say about how things kind of went down. But <laughs> uh, the story of uh, overextending yourself. Jesus This is. I mean, this is. Uh, it's been okay for. I mean, not. It's not been okay, but it's been like mostly tolerable. And now it's just kind of like, okay, guys, we gotta step our game up a little bit. This is getting ridiculous. Yeah, you know, I was surprised last year by how well they did doing, you know, two shows, because uh, I really thought I'd see, I mean, Arrow kind of took the dip, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, I-, I thought that we it would go a lot worse, but now it's like, they're like, oh, well, we can just keep doubling, it'll just be an exponential progression, so we yeah. go from two to four, and next year we'll have eight, and then 16. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> It's like, yeah, we need more shows. Like, no, 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 no. What you need to do is either uh, do different types of storytelling or get other people to run the damn things. <laughs> like, 
It's like, you can keep it all together if you want, but you can't... Greg Berlanti cannot be, like, in every one of these shows right now. Okay, so yeah, we'll we'll just kind of, Yeah, we'll probably just start with the Berlanti universe since it's... Uh, what we we both are on 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 the ball with so <laughs> instead of my like fifty minute monologue last time going through Gotham and Agents of Shield for sure <laughs> and it wasn't just you I was adding colorful commentary that's no I know that I just, that is that is my gift in life <laughs> but I just thought it was funny that it was like, I just kept going because it was like. <laughs> I mean, I know that you had a commentary, but it was just like, I was surprised that much of it. Mm. We talked that long about something you hadn't seen. Really? I mean, yeah, seriously. <laughs> just goes to show. Right. Can bring it out of the best of them. Um, are you ready? Do you need to get like a drink or anything? Or No, I got a drink. Okay, good. At least one of us does. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to fill up my water bottle really quick. I already had my wine while I was watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> Ah, yes. yes. I mean, I feel like it's appropriate to have the alcohol while you're watching a show that just constantly shows people drinking. So, <laughs> feels like a. It's how I'm participating. Yes. <laughs> the drinking game of drinking when you see other people drink. Right? Oh my what? god. <laughs> so it works out. <laughs> okay, so we're. I mean, I'm already technically recording, so we'll just get in. We'll, we'll just get into it. Like, uh, this is. We are back with another uh, wonderful, no, I don't know if it's wonderful, but uh, it's a foreboding <laughs> uh, bitch fest about the, uh, D- uh, not DC Comics, but comic book shows in general. And uh, returning once again, Mr. Nathan Laws. Hello, Nathan. Hello, Sam. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing okay. It's really hot right now in Washington. Uh, yeah. No, I, I actually know those feels. Because, yes. Uh, yeah, for, for Wisconsin today was hot. It got up to eighty. <laughs> yeah, no, same. You know, same over here. It's like eighty four. We're just like, no, why is this happening? Um, but yes, uh, we uh, previously did an episode where we talked about the uh, various comic book TV shows at their mid season finales, and you know, we were. I think that between you and I, we have a mostly like, eh, you know, attitude about them for the most part. <laughs> Um, some that we're, we're more excited about than others, and, you know, then there's Arrow. Um, <laughs> apologies to Greg Berlanti and company, I suppose. Steven, it's not your fault. I know, I know. It's like, you're doing so much better, Steven. Like, I remember back when Arrow started, uh, my, uh, my friend JP and I would make fun of the fact that Steven Amell's face, uh, facial expressions was basically, uh, kind of potential homicidal murderer and crying. <laughs> like, he, he just didn't emote all that much, and when he did, it was like a completely different person. <laughs> you're just like, what happened? Yeah, but see, Sam, they knew what they were doing by hiring him, because, you know, the salmon ladder is what, you know, people are watching for. It's oh, not, yeah. yeah, once they started facial deb- expressions. <laughs> no, once they started debuting salmon ladder, you're just like, oh, I see. I know, I understand now. <laughs> But to be fair, he's gotten better in terms of the actual quality of his acting. At least I believe so. I don't know what you think, but... <laughs> well, and he's also been, like, one of, like, the greatest ambassadors that they could have for the Berlanti group and how much social media he does. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how, you know, how... 
decent of a guy he comes off as. I mean, even back when, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was doing horribly and Arrow was doing, like, his best, Mm -hmm. you know, he he went out there and basically said, I don't want anyone to compare these two shows because they're apples and oranges. You know, this is when he was on top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that that makes him look like a very mature, you know, stand-up guy, you know, and I think gained him a lot of credit with people because of that. Well, yeah, and he was always, um, he's been Grant Gustin's biggest supporter, like, when uh, they announced, like, the Flash movie and everything. I mean, he I, he totally wants to play Green Arrow in a movie. Like, he, I mean, it's, I, I don't know if that was ever, like, something that they talked about or it's in his contract that it's a potential, you know, something he could end up doing. But I feel like since the DC uh, movie universe has, has basically come out and said, like, oh, no, no, we are separate. Like, I feel like that's been the greatest disappointment for him is, like, I'm never going to get to play this guy in a movie. Right. And you're kind of like, yeah, that is kind of disappointing because it would be interesting to see what they would they would do with him outside of the television format, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and, but it, but it does also lend, you know make him look again like a stand up guy because he doesn't really go out and talk a lot about hey I want to be Green Arrow in a Green Arrow movie. He talks about for you know Grant and yeah. how Grant should be Grant, uh, you know the Flash in the Flash movie, and mm-hmm. so you know it's it's less about him and more about how he just thinks that. that no, sure. I think he's 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 very much looking at it the same way people who watch the Marvel movies do. Where it's just like, why wouldn't these things be like together? Like, why wouldn't you just have that all like you know tied in and consolidated, and then it's like one big universe? <laughs> like, well, yeah, especially when you're gonna make characters off limits mm-hmm. to the TV group. It's like, okay, that makes sense. You're gonna have your big names for the movies, mm-hmm. and then you're going to have like the lesser names for the TV series, and that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But now it's like. Well, no, we don't really want any of the big names in the TV series, but you also can't acknowledge the movies. And it's like, why? If they're separate universes, let the. I mean, and I'm jumping ahead of us a little bit here mm-hmm. with Supergirl. The thing that I forgot to bring up last time was the great Superman problem of Supergirl. Oh my god, right? <laughs> where it's like, I almost wish Superman just didn't exist in the Supergirl universe just so that we didn't name check him every five seconds only for him to never appear. Or, you know, he his boots appear because he was knocked unconscious, and then, you know, when she finally wakes up, he's gone because he... he I mean, that's the thing, it's like, if, if you're... Yeah, yeah, we are jumping ahead, but, I mean, Supergirl's a good place to start since it is one of the newer shows. Um, right. You know, at least its first season ended on a fairly high note. Um, I mean, just that whole finale, you know... It, first of all, the fact that the the big twist is that it's been in the uh, the prison ship the whole time, and that they just cloaked it instead of doing anything about it. Yeah, I have to say, even though I liked all the build up to the end, that last episode itself just seemed really like I don't know, rushed or something. Because mm-hmm. like even like the final fight, it's like, oh yeah. um Don is just going to like put all his guys on suspended animation so he can have a fair fight with Supergirl and John. It's just like, yeah, why? Why wouldn't you just have your hordes of Kryptonians, you know, like attack them en masse? Well, and and even then, you know, when when Kara's making like the big sacrifice to push the whole thing up into orbit and everything, and to you know get it out of the way, of the Earth, the. Because Alex, when she shows up in her pod, I mean, obviously, spoiler spoilers for all of these shows, guys. Um, but when Alex shows up in that pod, it was, I mean, it's almost immediately after. I mean, it's, I can't imagine that pod was, like, ready to go, you know, because they didn't build up anything to it. I mean, th- this is, 
this almost seems like it was kind of married to the uh, the Snyder murder verse, where it's just like, hey, we showed a thing. I, I guess that's enough, right? It's like, no, maybe maybe the pod should have been something that was kind of like an ongoing thing, like they were trying to get it to work or something like that. Like, so that when Alex gets into it and saves Kara, which I don't even know how she would have done that because she would have had to open the pod. She, she nudged her. See, I thought about that. She was just nudging it with the nose cone of the pod until she knocked her back into the atmosphere. And, of course, she didn't burn up because she's Supergirl. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just, she just made a really big crater wherever she landed. I just want to see that now where Kara just asks her, like, how... How did you actually get me back to Earth? And she's and it just cuts to it's just it's almost like a Family Guy episode where she's just nudging her with the pod. That would be amazing. The other thing that annoyed me about the finale was the actual ending because that very much smacked of we have no idea what we're going to do next season, mm-hmm. but we're going to pretend like we have something of a plan. It's like. You know, because if, if they knew what they were going to do, they would have given us something to see. Yeah, that it, it. I think it almost felt like, too, that they, maybe they didn't know they were going to get a second season, or it was, like, wishful thinking, so it was kind of like, okay, we'll put this in there, and then, I mean, kind of like what you were saying, like, you know, if we come back, then we'll have to figure out what's going on with that. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's like, I mean, you can you can obviously speculate what's in the pod. I mean, it could be a pre-time travel kind of it's it's baby Kal-El and she has to raise her cousin as a baby <laughs> even though he's already you know fully grown I, I have a feeling what they'll end up doing is it's going to be uh, her mother in the pod or she's going to think it's her mother but it's actually going to turn out to be some alien imposter or something along those lines isn't but... that all they have are alien imposters of It'll be something like that. It'll either be her mother or someone else claiming to be like a Kryptonian survivor. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know somebody threw out the idea that it could be Power Girl, but I don't think they're going to go that route. Yeah, I think I think that was they they were talking about that as a possibility for uh, what's her um, uh, Melissa. I I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Benoist, but not. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I I really appreciate you and liked you on Glee for the brief second I was watching it then. (laughs) But, uh, but, you know, uh, they were talking about as the possibility when we still thought that they were two separate universes with the Flash and Arrow and and Supergirl, uh, that she could play Power Girl potentially in that universe. Um, So, yeah, I think doing Power Girl would just be too confusing for, for the moment, and probably don't want to make it more confusing what with all the other shows making it extra confusing um but i did um i just everything that they've been doing with martian manhunter i've been a really big fan of i just love the crap out of what they're doing with him even though it's it's kind of small and in the back i'm just i'm kind of excited for what they could do going forward yeah i i I feel like um, Jean has been amazing uh, throughout this entire uh, show, and um, the actor uh, who plays uh, Hank... David uh, Harewood. Yes. He it does so much with just little lines and the way that his facial expression is and everything else. I mean, you really feel like this guy feels like Alex and Kara are like his children. Mm-hmm. 
and just the way that he's got to be like parental and like stand his ground when he knows something is right you know that whole scene where um you know they uh, when Kara had the red kryptonite and she went bad Mm -hmm. and you know the whole stuff with Alex you know not wanting him to be uh, captured and him basically telling her to you know not do anything and everything else. I mean, all that emotion. He just he just conveys it with looks and everything else. It's just like he is such a talented actor, and I mm-hmm. really love all of that. Uh, you know, stuff that they're doing. I mean, I feel the loss more with him than I ever do with the stuff. Like they they had the one where Kara believed she was on Krypton. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, this is gonna be so gut wrenching. You know, it's based on a Superman story, but that you know I liked it at the end when she's going after Non because she's, I think what uh, what has been impressive about Supergirl, I mean, at least for this particular, for this first season and everything, is they really kind of tapped into how angry Kara actually is um, at at her circumstances, at the fact that, you know, she, you know, she left Krypton and watched it basically blow up, like everything she knows is gone and it's it's not the same as with Clark where he he didn't know any of it. He he has the fortress of solitude, but he doesn't really have as much of an emotional connection to Krypton the way she does. And and so I felt like with those, you know, specific episodes where they really touched on like not only the double standard of like women uh, you know, expressing anger more than men and, and I did I still like that scene with her and James, uh, where you know, they they do a really good little commentary on like, well, women can't show anger the same way, neither can black men and they're punching things and her punching the car is just amazing. Um, but even after that when they've they've touched on um, or flat out use it as a as a plot point of how angry she really is. I mean, she's only supposed to be in her like what early mid twenties, something like that. So it's I think it's actually impressive how they've been able to get that across. And I haven't really seen that many articles where they're being like, "Why is she so angry?" It's like I think she's the right amount of angry, quite frankly, for what she's dealing with right now. Well, yeah, because they don't overdo it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like she's just constantly angry. It's just they'll they'll have the scenes, but then they'll go back to, you know, Goofy Kara. Yes, you know, which she's very her, good at. Yes, doing her nerdy little, you know, <laughs> you know kind of stuff. So. <laughs> yes, but she's adorable. Yes, she is. No, and, and, But I think that... You know, if you were to, if you were really looking for, uh, a, you know, if you're going for like the Smurfette principle, like the female version of a male character kind of thing, I think she's done a very good job of kind of channeling that Christopher Reeve um, aspect. You know, if you were gonna, she she feels like the the best successor to that. Yeah, I I am. Uh, you know, I mean, the one thing that I really do like about the last story, and it's what I said from the beginning although I would have wanted Superman to have more of a presence, mm-hmm. was that I wanted a scenario where Superman is incapacitated in some way and she has to save the day because I felt like, you know, that would be, you know, the best way to show that Supergirl is, you know, she doesn't uh, need any help or assistance or anything. So I'm really glad they did that for the ending. I just wish we had seen a little Superman before that instead of like, oh, there he is! And it's like a little, like, one-pixel... 
Yeah, it's spot on the screen. He flies down because he's mind control because he was raised on Earth, and so that changes his entire like neurology. Yeah, his brain <laughs> chemistry is completely different because he was raised. Like, yeah, the the that's the one. Also, the thing about the Berlanti universe that kind of stre- you know uh, not stresses but um, annoys me on some levels that these stretches of uh, the imagination that you have to make in order for anything to make sense sometimes. <laughs> It's like, yes, his brain was like, no, come on, stop it. Like, you just stop it right now. And, and I get the whole hope thing, and I really like that Supergirl is a hopeful show, mm-hmm. but making, like, just the fact that she's got to, like, talk about hope and, you know, broadcast yeah. the Supergirl symbol, and that, like, cleared everybody mm-hmm. of the influence. You know, it's like, I would get it if it was, like, people who were close to her or really, you know, idolized Supergirl, like, that affected them on some level that they were able to shake it off, but it's like, nope, whole city. Yep. You know, it's just... <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's the same thing with, like, uh, with the Arrow finale, where it's all about everything's so completely hopeless, we've all lost our hope. Have, don't you understand? We're talking about it, so we've all lost our hope right now. Um, I mean, this is also, I feel like, what is Jeff Johns's influence on all of these shows, where it's so like, let's talk about exactly how we're feeling right now. Um, and it's always been something that I've had a problem with in terms of his style of writing, especially in the comics, is that it's, as much as it's a jumping off point for people, or jumping on and off, or whatever, where it's, he lays it out pretty bare bones for you, but at the same time, there's no nuance. It's just, hello, my name is John Stewart, I am a Green Lantern, and I will explain to you exactly what is going on and how I'm feeling about that situation. <laughs> it's like, there's... There's no subtlety at times, and, and you know, I know that these are just superhero shows to some people, but they have that potential to be so much more if you give the audience enough credit, you know, to uh, understand the nuance of a story. Yeah, I mean, for Supergirl, I mean, we've got some great characters that, like, uh, like Maxwell Lord, mm-hmm. who operates on multiple levels. You know, and I and I actually really like what they're doing with him, and I kind of like the fact that he and Alex have this obvious attraction, but she's too smart to actually play into it. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of thing. You know, going on there. Um, but yeah, you're right. For the most part, everybody on that show is pretty much they they are who they are, and it's pretty much up front and center. And there's not a lot of uh, you know depth. Yeah, the, uh, I mean, there. the only person who really gets away with it, I feel at times, is Cat. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, but just because I think they actually have done a pretty good job of giving Cat Grant layers that that they. I mean, obviously they come out when she's talking to Kara and she has to kind of spell it out for her. But I feel like they've done a really good job of kind of, you know, uh, we talked about this before, where like in the in the first few episodes, it's just kind of like, okay, I I understand what you're trying to do with her, and you're kind of hoping that they maybe do something else, like where it's not just you know this bitchy woman the whole time. Right. Uh, and thankfully they did, where, you know, over the course of the entire season, we have seen, you know, who Cat Grant is, you know, why she is so supportive of Supergirl. I mean, even when she has to discredit her in, on television, you understand why she's doing it, and you, and you understand her fear afterwards, you know? Right. Uh, so I feel like, yeah, with Cat Grant, I feel like they found that character that they really like enough that they're going to give more depth to. Um, yeah, yeah, no, she was the other one I was going to mention that has um, some real depth uh, in that show because, yeah, I mean, she she came off really poorly, I felt, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, she's uh, she, she's someone who had to be tough. Yeah. 
you know, and because of that, she's kind of like built up, uh, you know, this this thick skin around her. But I do like the fact that she's become more of a mentor. The only thing that I really hate is after having her be intelligent enough to figure out who Kara really is, mm-hmm. that they use like the dumbest way to like ever be like, oh, I was completely wrong about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, despite all the, you know, amazing things that I've seen in the world, you know, like, I cannot believe that possibly that there's some sort of trickery being done here in front of me. And I was just like, <sighs> Well, I mean, to, to be fair, and I understand where you're coming from with this, if you were presented with your secretary and then Supergirl just showed up and, it, you know, for all we know, you know, Jean's uh, shape-shifting is supposed to be pretty damn spot-on. You know, if that was presented in front of you, you'd just be like, oh, well, okay. Um, Well, I don't know, though, because she had already had the suspicions, even if that made her back off a little bit. Mm -hmm. I feel like when Kara continues to exhibit the the same suspicious behavior that Kat had already clued into, that she would in some way follow up on it just to see... You know, what is she doing? Why is she gone all the time from work? You know, like, yeah. And, and, and because Kat did start as a reporter, she would eventually, like, get the proof that, yes, she is, mm-hmm. you know, a supergirl. And, and that's that's the part that I felt was weak because I felt like they shouldn't have had Kat figure it out if they were just going to take it away from her like that. Yeah, no, I, no, I, I totally get you on that part. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it would have been nice even if they, I mean, they could have still had her kind of teasing it. And it never really just come out, like, make it a thing where she is always suspecting Kara of being a Supergirl, but because she is a reporter, and she knows that if she were to, you know, expose her, it would be a different story entirely. Like, maybe she just doesn't do anything about it. She just kind of, it's an understanding that they have, but it's never spoken, you know? I know. I I kept hoping for some hint that she really knew, but she was just playing a game. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, if you're going to go to those lengths to try to tell me you're not, I yeah. get it. I trust you, you know, so I'm going to pretend, wink, wink, <laughs> that you're not Supergirl. Well, well, to be fair, she was threatening to just fire her straight out for not telling, you know, it's kind of like the pr- the, the uh, practices that Kat uh, enforces as a boss would probably, you know, have her under lawsuits, like, all the time. I mean, <laughs> this woman could not be operating a multi-million dollar corporation given how she treats people. <laughs> Although she runs a shoddy operation because, like, when Siobhan comes in and uses Kara's computer after hours... Oh my god, after, right? You know, I'm like, that is the dumbest thing that I've ever... Because, first of all, any, any big company like that that I know of, you need, like, a key card mm-hmm. to get in. And so... You know, Siobhan had already been fired. How did she get in in the first place? Yeah. And let's say, okay, so she was in, um, you know, Wynn's pants. So she <laughs> got his key card out. <laughs> you know? Okay, let's say she used his key card to get in. How is it that Kara doesn't have a password on her computer? Yeah. So that's, you know, Siobhan would need to log in as her to be able to send the email and everything else. And it just, like, I, I just felt like that whole scenario just to make her even more mad at Kara was not necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she already was mad. <laughs> no, it's 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 taking her feelings and, like, trying to amp them up to a point where... Because they want to get to what Silver Banshee, basically, which, you know, in a world where we don't necessarily have metahumans, because when they did the crossover with the Flash, like, he's talking about metahumans and she doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. 
Um, so when you have something like Silver Banshee happen, where it's like a curse uh, versus, you know, a, some other thing, like at least with Livewire, it was, you know, the you know, tech, you know, uh, was it lightning and helicopter and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love you're trying to find some rational basis to describe it. It's just like lightning well i know but at, at the very least you like see i, I don't know it's it's kind of like those monster of the week kind of things where it's like well i mean smallville was the same thing like let's find a way for kryptonite to affect a person so that they become a thing for clark to fight you know so it's very much the same thing here but with silver banshee there was no like actual origin it was just oh and then she happens to be able to do this because irish curse so. <laughs> Because magic? I don't know. <laughs> I love how all of a sudden, you know, she gets Livewire out, and it's okay, that's understandable. She saw her there, that she wants, you know, someone with power to help her out. Yeah. And then it's like, it's just like, oh, okay. And then, like, she's like, I'll just go out here and become a goth now. She's <laughs> like, where did that come from? Yeah, I was like, when she said makeover, I, I actually thought that because when she was using her voice, like, she would have warped, like, her body would have changed or something like that. That would have made more sense than she just comes out in the whole, like, wig and, you know, uh, contacts and everything. You're just kind of like, is that the makeover you were talking about? And you just had those things lying on. Because, you know, Siobhan didn't give the impression that she was the kind of person for which that aesthetic appealed. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, she's more of a hoity-toity type, you know? Yeah. It's like, where, where did this, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense if that's the, if that's the quote-unquote makeover you're going for. It's like, yeah, I could have, I, I think you could have done better than that. I mean, quite frankly. <laughs> so. I, I'm going to sound like Mr. Negative, but I have to say this, much as everyone ood and odd over World's Finest, and it was great that, you know, uh, you know, uh, Grant Gustin and uh, Melissa Benoist, you know, did get along so well, mm-hmm. I felt like it was a really weak story. It was a weak story, but I think it was still enjoyable, and I think that was what everyone, I think that's what mo- most people have been focusing on. I don't, I don't think anyone was going like, man, this was the greatest setup and story ever. <laughs> I think a lot of them were going... Like, I'm boggling. It's like, Livewire has Cat, who she wants to kill, for like, at least an hour. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why do you care if the Flash and Supergirl show up? You could just kill Cat, even if you want to trap Supergirl because, you know, what she did to you. You can just kill Cat and then just still have her just sitting there because Supergirl doesn't know you killed her. See, you know, I hear you saying like... that, but that's not how superhero stories work, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows that when you kidnap someone who's important to the hero, you have to give them an arbitrary time to come and meet you. And then they have to sit there and watch the whole fight happen. And then they lose the will to do anything. And then someone helps them out. And then they're like, oh, yeah, she totally helped us. Let's get back at them. <laughs> uh, Although I, I, yeah. I did enjoy Grant Gus and the, like, because with Barry, when he's just like, all right, let's just settle this like ladies. And then, like her looking at him, he's like, what? There's more of you than there are of me. <laughs> Oh, and there was some great stuff in that episode. Oh, the you ice know, cream. Cat was just completely on fire mm-hmm. in that whole episode. And the whole thing, you look like the what uh, unoffensive, racially diverse cast of a CW show. Oh my god, right. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I love when they can give Cat those kind of meta lines. You're just like, oh, only you can sell this. Like, anyone else I would not buy it from, but you, you can, Callista Flockhart. <laughs> 
<laughs> tell, tell Harrison Ford no, he's already married. Or <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I loved it when Barry like went and got the ice cream and brought it back. Just the I, there was a gif going around of just uh, you know Supergirl's face when she gets the ice cream. She's like, oh, like she's so happy to have ice cream. I know. See, that was one of the things that didn't work for me because she could do that herself. She's fast enough to do that. And, and that seemed like that was one of those things where it was like, I get that you want it to be a positive like upbeat show but it's like it was so much that it was like unbelievable to me that she would be that thrilled by it i think it's more the okay i think it's more the sense that you know there's someone who's just as fast as her and she gets ice cream (laughs) i mean i think she was more impressed with the fact that she now has ice cream in her hands than she was that he could go really fast she already saw that he could go really fast and then he was he was mostly doing that to prove to james and Wynne. Right. You know what he could do because I th- I think Kara is just like oh my god ice cream. <laughs> like, at least that's what I mean. That was my interpretation, Nathan. Yeah. Okay. We can't all be Mister Negative about it now, can yeah, we? Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up one more negative thing. All right. All right. Go for what, it. <laughs> what 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 are your feelings about James and his Kryptonian fetish? <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, the show was setting those two up from the beginning. We knew that was going to possibly happen. Um, I actually, I here's the thing. I I think that they are kind of adorable. Uh, her and her and James. Um, because with Win, while you you know that that would probably be like the route they would go as well, like try to put that whole love triangle thing in there. I kind of like that they dropped it. You know. Because yeah, and, and I'm fine with Win and how they've gone with Win. I mean, I actually preferred Cat's son mm-hmm. as far as like a love interest for Kara, and I and I thought that they were really adorable together. But it has more to do with me and how James is presented, mm-hmm. and it's almost like what Lucy's father said, like really is true. Because it, I get the impression from how James, you know, acts. It's like he's like. You know, uh, you know, he wants to be around someone else that makes him important, mm-hmm. and then it's like, and like with Supergirl, it's like now I've got Superman, but with boobs. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like so now I can have even more of a close relationship than just being the best friend, and it's just like. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing that frustrates me about Berlanti is they'll set up these like storyline ideas that should take like episodes to pay off, yeah. and instead like they just like go away from it. it. You know, it happened in the Flash's first season with the whole like anti-Flash task force mm, that yeah, lasted yeah. like all of like two episodes, and then it's like, oh well, we just saw the Flash save someone's life, so there can't any. You know, even though he just threw me out of a car and tried to murder me in that one episode, <laughs> I I completely believe now the Flash is great. Yeah, but, and. and you know, there was this whole thing where, like, James, after Kara had her red kryptonite thing, where he was like, I- I'm going to have to take some time away. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden he's back the next episode, and both my wife and I are looking at each other like, wait, wasn't he supposed to take some time away? Like, what's going on <laughs> That's here? a That's... very quick cooling off period there. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, it... I, I, you know, I thought, okay, no, this is... You know, they're, they're doing the whole normal superhero thing of, like, when two people look like they're about to get close, then you put some distance between it, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, But instead it was just like, no, things are, you know, pretty much, you know, back to normal now. And it was like, what, what happened to that whole storyline? But, but at least, yeah, and and even with Wynn, I mean, at least they, I think they handled it better, like, when they when he kind of goes, you know, he fully kisses her without her permission and everything. And he's like, I think I'm in, I'm, you know, I'm in love with you. And, and it takes them a few episodes to actually get back to 
where they were, you know, with, you know, she wants to make up almost immediately, but he's not in the right place for it. And it takes what, probably about two or three episodes before they're kind of like back on board. Yeah. Do mean to my knowledge. <laughs> I was surprised at the route they went with Wynn because I actually expected he and Shaban to get together, but I thought it was going to be more of a she uses him mm-hmm. uh, to like get more information about Kara or something. Yeah. And I was actually like kind of happy they went with more of a she just likes how just nice he is. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. That, that he understands where she's coming from. and. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of it's uh, yeah it's it's one of those things like I think that sometimes the Berlanti universe is really good at where they can kind of throw you for a loop on some things. You're just like I figured this was going to happen. Oh no, it's not happening that way. Well, well played, sir. Um, but yeah, but then it just goes down the same route again of like okay, well now she's the bad guy, and then there's no uh, we can't really help her anymore, or we try to, and we only, like, ask a couple of times, and then it's like, well, fuck it. (laughs) Oh, my absolute favorite thing this season (laughs) is how we're supposed to feel so upset at the woman that Kara couldn't save Oh, my God. It's like, the person that we never, ever saw or heard of before this episode, and then we're supposed to get all choked up at the flowers on her desk, and I'm like, really, guys? You couldn't have just set up somebody at the office that was, like, kind of Kara's buddy that mm-hmm. she just, you know, you know, maybe she has a little office banter with or something, like, and then it's like, so then when she gets thrown out the window... Then it's, like, a real choice. Like, that, I mean, at, right. at the very least, yeah, set this, set a woman up, and, like, have her throughout the season, I feel like. You know, if you... I mean, I know that maybe by the time the season finale comes around, maybe they haven't necessarily like figured that out by the time the show starts. You know, it's uh, I I don't I don't know how long it takes for them to figure that one out. But you know, even at mid season, you probably know what you're going to do. Hopefully, uh, so it wouldn't take too much out of your day to just kind of start peppering in this one particular person, like have her new to the office and Kara, you know, something, something that, that gives her and Kara something to bond over or to be friends about so that when, you know, uh, what was her name? Kelly, Rebecca, something. I can't remember. Yeah. The name, see, there you go. That inconsequential. Exactly. So it's like when what's her face, and then Wynn and James all jump out of the building. Then at least the choice becomes kind of like, oh my god, which? Because at least we know who this person is, and then it becomes a well, which one of them is she actually going to you know let drop? Basically. I know because there was no question in my mind. I was like, oh geez, James, Wynn, and someone we have no clue. <laughs> who is she gonna save? It's 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 like the away team going out there with like you're the one guy with Spock and Kirk. And it's like and you're wearing a red shirt. Oh, you I have to go back and see if she was wearing red. Ooh, it's true. It's like Engineer Thompson over here. Like, oh damn, he doesn't have a first name. He's totally dead. So, but um, yeah. And and the more I'm thinking about it too, like, wouldn't it have been awesome? Like at the end of. The, the at the end of the finale for Supergirl, if instead of the whole pod crashing, it's someone, you know, someone gets a phone call and it's Jeremiah on the other end. Yeah. Like, give Dean Kane like, another, like, line or two. Like, throw him a bone oh, there. <laughs> oh, that's another thing that I absolutely loved, mm-hmm. is seeing Dean Kane on this show. Right. Because I watched Lois and Clark uh, through the good times and the bad. Oh, I uh, love that show when I was growing up. <laughs> You know, it was just one of those things, you know, I was, you know, I was a younger person, and, you know, I didn't notice how, you know, awful it was, and um, yeah. I love Dean Cain, I, I think Dean Cain did a very good job as being 
you know, the hopeful, you know, upbeat Superman mm-hmm. that we so sorely need in the movies. But, um, you know, so it was great seeing him play that father figure and everything. And I, I really am glad that they did. Because when, when, they, when they revealed that he was dead, I was kind of sad because I was like, oh, he's only going to appear, you know, in some flashbacks and how many of those can they do since, you know, he died fairly early on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for Kara and Alex. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> but, you know, now we can actually have him brought back and, you know, he might actually contribute, you know, somewhat to the show. So I, I'm looking forward to that because it's just, I, I, that is the one thing Berlady does really well are all these nods to the previous iterations of DC shows. Oh, yeah. I mean, when Mark Hamill showed up on the uh, on the Flash, and just the way they worked it in to use the the '90s television show, and then kind of just meld it in with the current Flash, I thought was brilliant. <laughs> so good, so good. But um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, you know, for the growing pains that a first season goes through, I think Supergirl is on its way, and definitely be interesting to see like what happens when it is under the purview of the CW. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like <laughs> I actually was perfectly fine with it being on CBS because mm-hmm. you know the CW has a certain audience that it is pitching to, and well, so does I, CBS. <laughs> well, true, but it's CW. I, I, you know, I've now seen a few more CW shows than just the DC stuff, mm-hmm. and I find CW shows very vapid. Um, in general, and I feel like that sometimes has an influence on, um, you know, uh, the stuff that they're playing on, you know, the, with the DC, with the Brillanti stuff, mm-hmm. and I was kind of happy for Supergirl to have a little separation uh, there, and so, I, I, it, I mean, you know, Arrow and Flash have done okay for themselves, so I, I'm guessing it's not really that big of a deal. I mean, the fact that we might be losing Cat yeah. uh, is probably the biggest the issue move. with the move. <laughs> Um, yeah, because, you know, if you lose that, that particular female mentor who isn't her sister, I mean, to, you know, there's only so much that Alex can provide in terms of support. <laughs> well, but let, me, well, let, me, let me just put a shout out, though, because we haven't really talked about Alex much. Mm-hmm. I love the, the Alex character. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I, I think that, um, you know, she's, she does a very good job of being that character who can exist in the superhero universe without having superpowers and mm-hmm. still hold her own. Um, and she's my daughter's favorite character. Oh, nice. For that very reason. Mm-hmm. And exactly when we saw her at C2E2, like Rachel told her, she was like, I won't tell Melissa you said that. No. <laughs> adorable. <laughs> but she, she is also really impressed because she kept on deferring everything back to Melissa. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, one of those really nice things of she was like, you know, like, she appreciated the comments, but she was like, Melissa is really awesome, you know, you need to, you know, hang out with Melissa, you know, and talk to her, because, mm-hmm. you know, and so I thought that that was really sweet, too, of her as a, as a person, but yeah, the, the character of Alex, I really like, um. No, I like her, too. I just, I wish that some of the stories weren't just, like, her, her, um, I don't know, like, there seems to be this tendency for Alex to get overly emotional at weird times. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand it. It's just, you know, it's just like, I will not lose my sister, like, over and over. Like, that seems to be, like, the, re- that was the well, recurring thing. It- I had a problem with both her insisting on going to Central, uh, not Central, National City, and for Jean to relent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I'm like, 
dude, you can just turn invisible or not, not intangible and fly away, and there's nothing she can do about it. You know, yeah. And I, I, it's made him look like an idiot. It made her look like an idiot because I get that she loves Kara, but of course. What, it, what happened is what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's like when, when Kara's just like, don't come here, and then she's like, no, I'm coming. There's like, maybe you should just listen to your sister. <laughs> it's like, if she tells you it's not safe, I mean, and Kara's got a pretty good idea of what not safe means. It's just like, you know, again, it just goes back to the style of storytelling of the Berlanti universe, where it's just very, like, people doing stupid things because the plot demands it instead of, like, what naturally would occur. <laughs> Which is... But, but I'm sorry, I interrupted you about Kat, and I, I completely agree with you that Kat is so important to this show, and mm-hmm. if they have to establish another female mentor figure that isn't family, yeah. that will feel kind of forced. Yeah, well, I mean, especially if, you know, it's like, Kat only shows up for, like, the one or two episodes in the beginning, and then she shows up maybe, like, mid-season and then towards the finale. Like, it's just... It's like, isn't there any way you could film some, just have, like, a production office in L.A. filming with uh, Callista Flockhart and make sure that those scenes just happen, you know? Right. Well, the good news is that she's already done a season, Mm -hmm. so that, you know, may give her some feeling of, you know, whereas when the show was starting, she made that a demand that it has to film in L.A., Mm -hmm. but, you know, maybe now that she's invested in a little bit, she might be willing to work with them a little more on some flexibility or something, you know, so. Because, yeah, yeah, it would suck to lose uh, Cat Grant in terms of, like, what she actually provides for the show, Um, not just for Kara, but for, I think, the audience as well. I think she's... Uh, a much needed. She's kind of refreshing in in a weird way. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to say she's grown on me quite a bit because I couldn't stand her in like the first few episodes, mm-hmm. and the the fact that they've shown a lot more depth to her. The fact, I mean, showing her with her son, her her, her young son, mm-hmm. um, was a huge deal. Like that, she actually plays games with him and stuff like that. Yeah, like, you know, it's just you know nice little touches here and there. Um, you know, that, that I felt worked really well. Yeah, she, you know, she's got her work persona and then her regular, you know, mom persona. <laughs> Am I the only one that feels like Maxwell Lord is the father of her younger son? Ooh, that would be interesting. Yeah, because they have this weird sort of... They almost act like exes mm-hmm. around each other, and I just have this weird feeling because she's never said who the father was of the younger kid. Mm-hmm. She just said the father of her older son was not the same. Yeah. And I just have this weird suspicion that, because she said something once about how Max makes promises that he doesn't keep or something, and I'm mm-hmm. just like, is, is he the father of her child? I don't know. I just, I just, this is a weird suspicion I have. It's, no, it'd be interesting. I'm, I'm actually, no, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see where they're going to go with Max. Like, if they're going to keep him as the kind of Lex Luthor of National City, or are they going to, like, start going into the he's got mind control powers kind of stuff, like, or if they're just going to leave that alone for the longest time, because once you put that into play, then it's like, well, why doesn't he just do this the whole time, you know? I hope they leave him as a complex character. I don't want him to see, you know, he's shown the willingness to work with, uh, you know, the DEO and uh, Supergirl, mm-hmm. and I don't want that to change, but I also don't want it to change that he does whatever he feels is right for the human race either, and yeah. for that to sometimes put them in conflict. So, And like I said, I like the whole 
dance he does with Alex, and I was afraid that all of a sudden we were going to see them in bed together, mm. because, you know, he was going to play her or something, and that never happened, and so <laughs> I like the fact that she's smart enough to know that even though she might have these, you know, this attraction to him, to, like, no. Yeah. <laughs> this is a bad idea, you know? It's like, he might be able to, he might be willing to play ball, but he's, like, he'll turn on you at the drop of a dime. Like. Right. It's like, this is not a guy you want to invest a time in a relationship in, because it's probably not going to work out well for you. Oh, and, and, and oh, I, I keep on bringing up negative things. But you know the whole thing where Jean, like, it was like, I cannot use, like, my mind-wiping ability, because I'll just completely wipe everything from somebody. And then, like, two episodes later, it's like he can do, like, surgical strikes into people's brains, and, mm-hmm. like, just edit selected memories and stuff, <laughs> it's just like... He, did, he, so, he does that to, like, Eddie McClintock's character, like, that general or whatever, so that Lucius, you know, now conveniently in charge of the DEO. <laughs> I know. It's like, wait a minute, where were you practicing, and how were you practicing to hone that ability? It's like, oh, I'm better at this now. Since when and how? Yeah. <laughs> and again, it's just, like, one of those things that it's just like, we're just gonna short-circuit any kind of plot or development or anything that we're gonna go from, I can never do this, to, oh, yeah, this is easy. We can totally, you know, it's, suddenly it's the easiest thing in the world for me to do. Come on. Uh, weren't you there when I was totally practicing the whole time? Like, uh, no. <laughs> I, I will say that I do like that they gave us, like, uh, the Bizarra um, character, but I almost wish that they had gone more, like, the route that the animated DC did with Galatea. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like that's a much more interesting character, the clone that wasn't a failure and is actually a little bit older and more confident. Yeah. Um, I felt like that would have been a better foil for Kara because of how uncertain Kara is and how that is one of her flaws is, is sort of like the, you know, how much she holds herself back and stuff. So yeah. um, I, I was hoping for that and instead we got Bizarra and it's like, okay, we got... You know, it's still somebody in her power class and everything else, but I would have, I would have liked, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I think Galatea was one of the coolest things that I ever saw, and just the whole reveal in the animated show, I was like, the, the, the closer Berlanti can ever get to the animated show, mm-hmm. I'm always okay. Yeah, you're like, I am down for this. Uh, I actually really enjoyed when Maxima was, like, briefly shown, when she just, <laughs> she comes and she's like, I tried to, like, she's like, I tried to mate with your cousin, but blah, 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 it's like, I love Maxima. <laughs> Like, those little, like, nods to, like, minor characters that showed up in the comics or in the cartoons or anything like that. It's like, that's where I feel like sometimes they shine a lot more than when they do, like, the broad storytelling. Uh, Because, like, Maxima just as a character, I think, would be fun to do, like, if she had, like, an episode or two of her own. Because she is just kind of, like, this over-the-top, larger-than-life, you know, conqueror, basically. So to have her and Kara go up actually against each other would be an awesome, you know, episode. Yes. Uh, did you catch the reference to Lobo? Oh my god, yes! <laughs> See, I... one of the things I've been saying since early on. I'm like, okay, you know, uh, uh, Flash is like alternate realities and metahumans. Arrow is like the street level and magic. And I'm like, Supergirl's about the aliens. I'm like, Lobo, anyone? And people were just like, oh man, yeah, Lobo. And I'm like, oh man, they referenced him. <laughs> and, and he has to be portrayed like the Superman, the animated series version of Lobo. Oh, Give of us course. That. Not not this new, like, Orlando Bloom-looking Lobo from the new 52. No, I want 80s biker Lobo. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> and that and that's the thing. Like Lobo would actually make a really great foil as well. I mean, as much you know, even Maxima for a few episodes. But Lobo could be an awesome like recurring character. You know, he he just comes in and he can provide some like other information about what's out there because obviously with um, the DEO they don't know everything. They can't possibly. Um, they they know the characters from like Fort Roz and some of the Kryptonian stuff because of Superman. But you know, there's got to be other you know ways you can you know uh, bring in the other alien stuff and so Lobo would be perfect and and since if and if you go with the 80s version of him then he's like this huge misogynist and <laughs> and that also plays into their you know their their uh the the feminism behind Supergirl too where she can go up against him and it becomes like this begrudging kind of respect you know thing or they just outright hate each other but they have to work together you know like oh yeah no I, I mean it, it just writes itself because of the dynamics there because he's this loud larger than life misogynist mm-hmm. and Kara is this person that's usually very restrained kind of you know hangs back a little bit and, mm-hmm. but but is you know very much a character about you know a, a girl empower you know female empowerment yeah and I still wish she was called Superwoman but that's a whole other story <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> and, and and for those two to go again you know to be in the same story and the whole the whole thing like first time they come together it's a whole like fight episode mm-hmm. and uh you know but yeah then maybe in successive appearances they have to grudgingly work together and stuff like that i, I just love that that's another thing though that worries me about the cw is i'm worried the budget's gonna get slashed oh yeah that's the thing yeah because, i mean if you look at the flash mm-hmm. and the flash did things that were amazing you know uh and still does things that look amazing but when you compare it to supergirl mm-hmm. supergirl just goes all for it and i just <laughs> the fights on that show i have been amazed yeah yeah um you know and it's been a whole other level i mean even legends of tomorrow which is probably the the, the highest effects show for the berlanti on on cw it's like everything looks really tacky it's like you know mm-hmm. the you know the, the the captain cold freeze effect has just become basically a generic blue laser and yeah. you know the, the time stream is these like hazy green lights and, you know it's just <laughs> well I, no no well, i mean while we're i mean we're getting into Legends of Tomorrow, which I think we should move into because, like you said, this will be a four-hour podcast. <laughs> you mean we can't just talk about Supergirl for four hours? Oh my god! If only. <laughs> Probably could, um, but before we get into Legends of Tomorrow, like um, overall, we're 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 good on Supergirl. We're excited. We're yeah. you know we want to see what's going to happen. We're still you know trepidatious about what could happen under the CW, but for the most part, we're good. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. Legends of Tomorrow is a frustrating show. So much potential. Right? Flushed down the toilet almost on a weekly basis. Oh my god. I think I think Legends of Tomorrow is the embodiment of everything that I don't like about the Berlanti universe in terms of storytelling. Uh, because I don't mind, like, the homages to, like, the different characters. Like, I I really enjoyed when they met Jonah Hex, you know, but I'm also a sucker for the Western characters, so it appeals to me. Um, oh, oh I, I adore That was one of the great episodes of mm-hmm. the 16, yeah. Um, because pretty much it was, like, of those episodes, the ones where they were less focused on Vandal Savage were actually the better ones. Um, but then in the midst of all this, like the, the formula just follows Rip says something, doesn't believe the the team can do it. Then comes around at the end when the team tells them that they can. And then it's, it's like, 
really? Like, we need that much convincing every time? Um, and then every character giving their entire backstory practically in the in the middle of the episode. Like, the more I had to hear about the fact that Kendra was a barista turned, you know, a uh, priestess, uh, hawk person, it was just kind of like, yeah, no, I got that. Like, I... <laughs> I saw when that happened last time. Uh, I'm, I'm good. You don't need to have to explain it to me over and over again. I'm here. <laughs> like... uh, well, I, I, I kind of felt bad for um, Victor Garber and, uh, oh crap, what is Snart's real name? Um, oh, uh, Wentworth Miller. Yeah, Wentworth Miller, because they had to basically like prop up the entire show on their two shoulders. Oh, and. I just felt like they were constantly acting their socks off to, like, make this show work, and they were easily my two favorite characters, and everyone else was just kind of like, whatever, the script doesn't make any sense, so I'm just kind of here. Well, yeah, because, and I agree with you on Victor Garber and and Wentworth Miller, but I I would also kind of add Dominic Purcell. I think he did uh, actually a lot better than I thought he was going to do, because... Well, okay, all right, let me... Post Kronos, mm-hmm. all of a sudden I gained respect yeah. uh, for him because, you know, early on when he was just the dumb criminal that was just like, I like fire because, you know, he's basically Beavis, you know, fire's cool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's just like, really, really, it's like, why do you even hang out with him, Snart? This, 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 uh. And then they did the whole thing where, oh, he, 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 did Snart kill him? He, he, he. Of course he didn't. Yeah. You know, I was saying everybody was like, oh my god. I was like, seriously, does anyone believe that Snart could kill? As much as they've built up Snart to be like one of the most honorable criminals of all time, mm-hmm. would you think he would take, you know, his best friend out in the woods and shoot him like a dog? You know, like a, yeah. like a rabbit It goes entirely dog. against who he is. Like. Right. And I was like, no, of course he's going to turn up. Now, what I didn't expect was for him to turn up his Kronos. No, that was genuinely surprised. You're like, what? Now, here's the issue. Mm. The issue was one of script rather than actor, but the issue was after Rip's been saying, if we get involved in events we've already taken part in, it will, like, rip the timeline apart. Mm -hmm. And then for us to find out that Kronos, who's been involving himself in events that uh, Mick was part of, you know, all this time, and the universe hasn't ripped itself apart, which, once again, this show keeps on making rules and then breaking them with no consequence. No. And it's like, you might as well just not make any rules then if you're going to break them willy-nilly constantly. No, exactly. Like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, I enjoy time travel stories, but mm-hmm. it's um, but they are also the most frustrating time, you know, uh, because if you don't establish your rules, then, uh, and, and then you break them, or, or it's like, if you don't establish, like, clear-cut rules, then what's the point of even, like, talking about them? Um, anything can happen that the script demands happen because the rules are broken all the time. Yeah, so like, don't put them down. Don't lay them out on paper. You know, if if you're gonna go to such lengths to, you know, and and it's not like they even justified them or explained them. They just did. You know, (laughs) it was never like, well, what if blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, no, we're just gonna do this and assume that no one's been paying attention anyway. So. Yeah, so, so, but yeah, I agree with you because all of a sudden when He's a much more thoughtful character mm-hmm. and, you know, has definitely learned something from his time as Cronus and because become more mature and everything else. It's like all of a sudden it's like, 
wow, like, this guy can be, like, really interesting. You know, he still loves a good fight, he still loves fire, but he's not the moron they kind of painted him as uh, up until that point. Yeah, like, him and, uh, like, the, the just the dynamic between Mick and, uh, and Snart, I, I just kind of, I enjoyed even in The Flash, like, before they went on to Legends of Tomorrow, I thought, you know, for for two villains who could have easily turned out to be more like cartoon characters, um, and and believe me, Legends of Tomorrow tried to make everybody into a cartoon character at some point. Um, they, I, I feel like those t- like those two went on the best like character arcs of the entire cast. I mean, Victor Garber sort of does. Like, you know, but it's it's kind of wrapped up at the end where it's like, of course you want to go on all these adventures. Like, was that something that we were, like, talking about later? Or, I mean... Yeah, I mean, Stein doesn't have as much of an arc to go through. I mean, he becomes a little more respectful of Jax mm-hmm. and realizes that Jax is, you know, can make his own decisions and stuff. But I just, like, I think Victor Garber is just puts in such a great performance yeah, he, as Stein, and, and is so believable as Stein. Yeah, he's so great. Like, he was, like, a great get. Like, I'm just, like, uh, when they cast him, I was like, I was over the moon, because I love Victor Garber. I think he's a great actor, and I mean, like you said, but for them to have made Stein into the kind of character that he is, and how he interacted not only with, with Ronnie, but now with Jax and everything, and don't get me wrong, his dynamic with Ronnie was fine, but his dynamic with Jax is so much better. Right. <laughs> It's like Ronnie was just so generic. I mean, it's just, there wasn't a lot of conflict there. But when you have, like, this young and energetic and, uh, you know, uh, free-thinking black kid, you know, who's a mechanic and everything, and and this older, you know, quote-unquote wiser, you know, quote-unquote smarter, you know, older white guy, you know, as this duo, it's so, it's just, it just writes itself. Like, they could have, they could easily have their own show if they had the the gumption to do it, I think. Oh, oh, I really wished when they introduced Firestorm that that's the route they were going to go, that that was going to be the third Berlanti show, because mm-hmm. especially the whole idea they set up in the beginning, the military was after Firestorm to, to, you know, to make weapons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, the whole idea of Firestorm having to go from, like, location, I mean, whether you did the jack switch or not, mm-hmm. the idea that they have to go from, like, location to location, like, it'll be like one of those old shows from the 80s where the character is wandering all over the country and they write some wrong in each, like, location they go to and yeah. then move on at the end of the episode. They go the I, way I, of the Incredible Hulk. Right, yeah, the Incredible Hulk uh, scenario, or Knight Rider, A-Team, there was a bunch of those shows mm-hmm. like that, you know. Uh, I thought that would be great, but what I like about Stein and what they've done with him is he could easily be the stodgy, stiff professor. He's having a ball. Oh my god, right? Doing all of this, and you know, when he's brought up, like, the, you know, the sci-fi shows he used to watch when he was a kid, mm-hmm. and you know, the whole, just the whole fact that he lights up with the whole idea of time travel you know he saved hg wells yeah um (laughs) which wasn't really explained because it's one of those things where it's like wait a minute he knew who hg wells was so like how did time get screwed up where hg wells was gonna die Mm -hmm. that he had to save but you know that aside though you know he saves hg wells which he's like just loves And and i really like although i feel like they mishandled that 50s episode and beat people over the head with, you know, a lot of the 
social issues they wanted to bring up. Oh, yeah. And quite stupidly had, like, Ray, you know, we're trying to keep a low profile, but we're going to have an interracial couple in the 50s. Yeah, that um, totally worked. <laughs> but, uh, but I did love the part where Stein is just like, oh, the 50s, this is just like a perfect era. <laughs> Jax is like, if you're white, you know, it's like... <laughs> and, and you know, just sort of like the realization dawn on Stein of, oh yeah, like, I guess there were problems. Here, yeah, rough go of that one, right? <laughs> well, and speaking of Ray and and Kendra, like, so I I for the most part really like Brandon Routh as as Ray Palmer. I think he's the just the right amount of like Boy Scout, you know, more so than he ever was, even when he was Superman. <laughs> <laughs> But I, everybody wants a darker Superman. Oh my god, it's just whatever. Uh, but I liked his interactions with the criminals. Like what, him and and Mick had like a really great. Uh, yeah. Hair, oh my god. <laughs> Every time he calls it, like there are certain lines that certain actors will say that'll just make me like crack up. Um, what is it? What's his name? Uh, Tom Cavanaugh when he would guest on Scrubs as a uh, JD's older brother, and he would just pop up and he'd be like, "Hey, little brother." He would just say that every time. <laughs> It would crack me up. So every time Dominic Purcell just says haircut. <laughs> it's so good. I, that's a relationship that shouldn't have worked. Yeah, right? And suddenly, like, by the end of the series, you're like, yeah, this kind of works. And he, it's, and he has more chemistry with Mick than he does with Kendra. <laughs> yeah, oh, God. Talk about something that was forced on us. Oh. Well, and it's forced on us, and then it's just, it's, and then it stops. Like, almost immediately, like, they spend two episodes, like, trying to say, like, oh, they're totally in love, guys, and uh, we have to stop thinking about Carter and Kendra as, like, the, the, the end-all, be-all of this thing. But then it's like Carter comes back into the picture, and suddenly it's like, oh, Ray, by the way, he's like, no, no, it's meant to be, like, wow, dude. <laughs> like, it's... Yeah, Carter, Carter and Kendra, um, there, there, are multiple, there are multiple problems. The first problem is that they obviously didn't sit down and plot out, like, when their different lives occurred, because they already have overlap that doesn't work. <laughs> um, they show us a flashback in the mid-20s with them as adults and a child, which, you know, we, we were told about in the first episode, because they meet them all grown up and everything. Yeah. But then they also have another flashback to them in the early 40s as different people. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. So even if they died right after that one flashback to the mid twenties, they would have reincarnated, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't be adults again until after World War Two was over. Yeah, the <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and there's no like they they don't say like how long in between reincarnations there are because even with Vandal Savage, you're not sure like when he just seems to reincarnate when it's convenient again for the plot. Um, right. And and even with. Uh, Kendra and Carter, like, why are they always named Kendra and Carter? Like, it that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I can understand when they meet up with each other than learning their old names, like Khufu and Shaira, but the Kendra and Carter thing always felt like that was just their modern names. But then it's just always Kendra, apparently, because I think they're in the 20s or the 40s, whichever one of those, and, and Carter calls her Kendra. And it's just like, I... I don't think that would happen. I think, you know, or I, I mean, I don't know anything about reincarnation, obviously, but <laughs> because her, you don't know about all your past lives. No, no, I, I haven't quite, you know, dived into that part yet. Um, but, but, but again, I mean, how, why is it always Carter and Kendra and not Khufu and Shaira? I mean, if you're going to go with them having the same names throughout time, they should have their first names, not 
the ones that we know them by technically now. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. The writers are just writing for the audience, Sam. It doesn't have to make sense. You shut your mouth! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I... Uh, yeah, the other problem with them is that I think they made a real mistake with Kendra's character, and it was apparent to me when they did the Flash Arrow crossover, mm-hmm. and when Cisco said, Carter's trying to make you use rage, but really you need to embrace being the priestess. Mm. And you know, me having been raised, okay, I was in my mid-twenties, but having been <laughs> raised on Justice League, the animated series. <laughs> <laughs> it's its own rearing, you know. <laughs> right. I want Barbarian Shaira, right? You know, I want their barbarian hot girl. I don't want you are calm and collected priestess hot girl. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no, please don't. Please don't. <laughs> and then that's what we got is we got whiny Kendra mm-hmm. who had no real existence outside of the men in her life that defined her, whether it be Savage, Carter, or Ray. Yeah. And I, it, it, I, I was not sorry to see her go. At the end of the series, you know, I'm just like, yeah, she and Carter want to fly off. That's perfectly fine to me because mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't care. Well, and and the thing is, like, they, there's such, there's all this really great stuff to actually mine from the Thanagar storylines, mm-hmm. you know. And and again, it goes back to them. They they combined the differing origins of Hawkman and Hawkgirl to make this kind of like amalgamation, which still doesn't work. I mean, the Hawk, the Hawk people storyline outside of them being just aliens, is just really difficult, apparently, for people to figure out. Um, because at least they tied in Thanagar with it being, like, the meteors that fell, like, had the Thanagarian alien blah 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 blah, blah and the nth metal and whatnot. But at the same time, it's like, man, th- the Thanagar, like, Ron War would have been interesting, like, if you could get to that, and Adam Strange coming into it. I mean, if you did, like, a maybe if they did the second season, if they wanted to go into that, because that would be kind of awesome. Um, but again, I don't want to give them ideas for things that they'll just screw up in the end. <laughs> like, uh, the other the other weird thing that they seem not to have thought of, because again, they just seem to be making up this show as they go along, is that Carter is now triplicated. Mm. And what I mean by that is, all right, they took the Carter from 2016 and brought him back to 1975 and he died there, which means that he would reincarnate meaning there would be two Carters around because there's the one that would naturally be around in 1975 as well as another version that would that had died and reincarnated. Mm-hmm. But then they bring a Carter from 200 years or 150 years in the future and bring him back to the 2016. So again, now we have another version of Carter running around. It's yeah. like, oh my God. And it's like they don't think about the implications of any of that. It's just like, oh yeah, there could be multiple Carters. And how messed up would that be for Kendra to suddenly have like two Carters? <laughs> <laughs> my two carters your soul my you know? oh god that's an 80s sitcom my two carters right no but you know it brings up an interesting point if like if she suddenly is presented with two carters who are technically both this i mean they're the same guy basically right. and if they're both her soulmate then, then you have a uh, Crichton uh level episode right. <laughs> like farscape level shenanigans um yeah, no, it's, uh, they just, like, I don't know, they, they just didn't think it out, I, I, you know, obviously, because even the stuff with Vandal Savage, like, after a while, you're just like, God, I don't care about this anymore. Like, this is just so infuriating. <laughs> and... Well, I thought at some point they were going to tie it back to the Flash Arrow crossover and Merlin preserving 
Savage's remains because once they revealed the whole thing that when he kills one of the Hawk people, he can give like extended life to others. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's Merlin's game. He knows about that, and he's gonna be like, hey, you know, Savage, I kept you so that you could reconstitute, so that you can do this thing for me and give me like extended life. Yeah, but it was like that. We never went there. Um, that appears to have just been thrown in there to explain how Savage is still alive. Yeah. And, um, you know, the whole... And Savage was such a weak presence from the beginning, and I Mm -hmm. think that he was the real millstone around the neck of this show, is it's like we're building up Savage, who had no real chemistry or screen presence or anything. He he was just a really hairy guy. (laughs) (laughs) I liked his daughter more than him. Yeah, yeah, I, I wish like, they just kind of cool. I liked her. I wish they just called her Scandal. That would have been nice. Like, <laughs> that's her name in the comics, Scandal Savage. Um, but get you know, and Gail Simone made her up and and everything. So they should have had Gail Simone write an episode with Scandal. <laughs> um, uh, and then she ends up like getting in a relationship with an Amazonian named Knockout. So it all works out. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, no, it's a. Uh, with Vandal Savage, I really feel like they shouldn't have set up the whole series around killing him. I mean, and again, this goes back into the greater issues with the Berlanti universe is these, you know, uh, season-long arcs. I mean, and they only had 16 episodes, but they still couldn't manage to tell a tight or complete story. Um, but but even with Flash and Arrow are exhibiting these same issues, and, and it's taking... it's going a lot faster for these things to like start happening where it's kind of like you guys clearly don't have, you know, a a plan for the whole season. I can understand that. So why don't you just plot out smaller arcs, you know, mid season arcs, something like that, where it doesn't feel like, you know, we, we have this constant thing hanging over us, but we can just get, you know, wrap up one bit and then move on to the next one, you know? Yeah, Once Upon a Time realized that that was a problem with the whole season-long arcs, and that's what they've started doing. Like, the midwinter finale is basically like a season finale. Mm-hmm. And they end that storyline, and then they go into another storyline for the second half of the season. And I, I think that would be a big help, too. I, I just... I mean, with the case of Savage, I'm not sure even that's the problem. Just the actor that they picked. Mm-hmm. But wasn't really... I mean... I mean, I guess the writing and direction also has something to blame for it, but at the same time, it's just like, he just wasn't scary mm-hmm. or interesting. The most scary thing he did was in the Flash Arrow crossover, where he was smart enough to throw it where the Flash was going to be instead of where the Flash was. Yeah. And there was like, oh man, this guy, yeah, I mean, he really can really get the idea that this is a combat-trained guy who's had thousands of years of experience to be presented with a man that moves as fast as Barry does and to not be phased by it and, in fact, already think of how he can counter it, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, whoa, and then, like, since then, he did nothing interesting. Yeah, Savage is supposed to be, like, a really strategic thinker because he's had a lot of time to figure, you know, to, to, to figure those things out and everything. And, and yeah, I, I don't know. There was just something about this, this actor. Like he, I feel like he was too short. Um, and he wasn't intimidating enough to, to counterbalance that, you know? Um, he seems like he always has a joke at everyone else's expense rather than to be like an intimidating and scary mm-hmm. character. He's just always kind of like chuckling to himself or like, you know, I know something you don't know kind of thing, which isn't intimidating, but... Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, the whole idea that the Time Masters have to prop him up 
Yeah. To be the threat in the first place, like, really weakened him. Um, I actually kind of liked the episode. I, I kind of like him. The rest of the episode was awful, but I kind of <laughs> like him in the episode where they were trying to take him back to the Time Masters. Because mm-hmm. I feel that whole thing where he was in a cage, but you feel like, you know, it's almost like the scenes with Loki in the Avengers movie where it's mm-hmm. like, he, he gives the uh, idea that he's where he wants to be, even though he's the one in the cage, and he's controlling everything around him, and he did good in that. Yeah. Now, the rest of the episode was poorly written and, and was really dumb, especially Ray going in there to have about a fisticuffs <laughs> with a man with, you know, 4,000 years of combat training um, was kind of stupid. Yeah. But... <laughs> yeah, you know, like you do. <laughs> Right. Well, it's like, yeah, I mean, Ray, I get that you're mad about what's going on with Kendra and Carter, but you're smart enough to know that you can't take on Savage in a fist fight. You know, it's just... No, he's not smart enough because the plot says he's not smart enough right now. How do you feel about the um, Snart-Sarah-Lance relationship? You know, I, I don't know. They only spent, like, what, a couple of episodes on it, really? Oh, 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 do you, do you think that it, uh, see, I felt like that was a thing from the beginning, almost. I, um, I don't feel like they stressed it enough, though, I guess, because, yeah, when they, like, they first start, like, when they're getting in, like, the bar fights and everything, and she's kind of hanging out with him and Mick for a while, <laughs> you know, I can see that being, like, the beginnings of something, but it felt like throughout the rest of the series, until they hit those, like, last couple before he died, uh, that it wasn't really something they were pushing because eventually they had to like have these other storylines going and that just kind of p- got pushed to the wayside. I mean, or I wasn't paying attention enough. I- I'm a huge Captain Canary fan. I- I- <laughs> no, I liked what I saw. Like when when they actually were talking about like having a relationship, I was like, what? That can happen? Is that, a- is that something that can happen? Because <laughs> that sounds amazing. Because the whole, the whole way that she even puts it, like, you're trying to steal a kiss from me, she's like, you have to be, like, a really excellent thief and stuff like that. I just, I just loved it. It was so cute. Mm-hmm. And when she sees him as a baby. Oh, my God, right. Like <laughs> okay, there stuff. there was one thing about that scene that I did not care for. And, and this is just coming as a woman. Uh-huh. Is that, okay, they send the two women in to get the baby. Uh, fine, whatever. But then the fact is that Sarah's all is just like, whatever, it's a baby. And then suddenly sees him, she's like, oh, booga, 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 booga. Like, okay, I know a lot of women who would not be like that at all. Like, just, I, I don't know. It's just, it was something that very much annoyed me that it's like, let's send the two women in to get the baby. And then, of course, they're just going to be all gaga over it. Yeah, I mean, they're the, I mean, they were pretending to be the nurses uh-huh. there for that. You know, for the, um, what do you call that? The, the infant ward, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> horrible, because I've had two kids, and, you know, I don't know what that place is called. But anyway. Uh, the maternity ward. The maternity ward. Thank you. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but uh, you know, I, I get it only, and I understand why, as a general, in a general sense, you have a problem with it because of the message that it could send. Mm-hmm. I thought it was cute because specifically it was baby snart. No, and I get been that a part. Baby, if it had been a different baby and Sarah just instantly melts because it's a baby. But I just thought because they had already kind of built up them having like kind of a relationship and for her to just be like, oh, he's so cute and innocent right now. You know, <laughs> just snart. You know, I thought that I thought it could work on, on that level. And, and I'm not saying I wasn't entertained by it. Yes, it was funny to watch them, like, 
coup over this over baby snart but <laughs> there's something about that name like snart uh but i yeah no i was i i enjoyed the scene but at the same but that other part of my brain is just going like Oh wait a second! Two women, baby. <laughs> it's like CW no, show. I, I get that, and I get the reason why people should be more sensitive to things like that. But yeah, I, I, I don't think it was as bad as say Jurassic World. Oh my uh, god! <laughs> I don't want to get into that movie at all. Right, Sam, now, how did you like them trying to throw in Giant Man before Civil War came out to kind of scoop the Avengers? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, when Ray goes, Ray goes big, uh, I guess I just kind of put that out of my mind. I didn't really care about it. <laughs> like, I, I just thought it was funny because it was like they knew Civil War was coming up and a lot of people suspected they were going to do Giant Man Civil War. It just seemed to me like Berlanti was like, we're going to we're gonna do the same thing before Marvel gets to do it. Yeah, well, and I think it, even for that, because Ray Palmer doesn't really, doesn't do the Giant Man thing. Right. Like he's always just he just goes small. Like that's because then you can find like the the little civilizations amongst the small people. Like I don't know if they ha- they I think they have their own microverse. But uh but yeah, I yeah, obviously they probably did that because of Ant-Man, but it actually goes against what Ray does too. So it's like, "Oh, eh, it's kind of nonsensical." But all right, here you go. <laughs> you want to make a giant man reference? Fine. <laughs> I just can we can we just get into how Rip is like the worst character ever? <laughs> yeah, he's just awful. And I don't get me wrong, I love Arthur Darvall. Like he was great in uh, in Doctor Who, and it's kind of interesting that he goes from playing the companion to playing basically the Doctor, you know. But they just he didn't seem to have as much. Like, he was there, but he was just there to be like, I'm getting you from place to place, and then I'm not going to believe in you until I have to believe in you. And it's the same damn story every time. It's like, they don't give him anything more than that, and that's so frustrating. Yeah, he's such a defeatist character. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the whole thing about how he was constantly trying to go back and, like, fix, like, the whole thing with his wife and son, which has multiple problems just with the time travel rules that they gave. What rules? What rules do we have, Nathan? (laughs) (laughs) We have no rules. But then, you know, it's like he just wants to sit around watching, like, that last, like, you know, letter that he got from, you know, that last video uh, that he got from them Mm -hmm. over and over and over again, and that's, like, all he does. Which is a very, Uh, like, minority report thing for them to do. Yeah. uh, (laughs) He... That's a whole other podcast, but yeah. um, <laughs> this is the Minority Report podcast. <laughs> Tom Cruise, but, love it or hate it. <laughs> but you know, even like the whole thing of oh, well, I got too attached to the old West when I was here last time, and I just can't do anything in the old West and everything mm. else. It's just like, man, you are such a dunner. Why did you even assemble this team? Yeah, but I it, mean, I like the whole fake out where he said that they were legends, and then it turned out no, you were like the scraps of the timeline that you like, like had no influence or impact on anything. That's why I took you guys. It's like, dude, low blow. (laughs) I'd like that as a twist, you know, from a plot standpoint, but but yeah, he is whole, like, well, I also don't understand why I didn't pick three people from various eras, too, but, Mm. uh, but, but, yeah, the, the whole, the whole thing that he does after that is like, you know, I, I handpicked this team, and then it's like, yeah, I don't that we can do anything or change anything or make any kind of a difference and it's just like I, I just wanted Snart to kill him mm-hmm. 
and throw him out the door and be like, I'm captain of this vessel now. Would have made more sense. <laughs> right? And it's like, and I'm, we're still going to go after Savage because he killed Carter. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what do you care about Carter? He was one of us. <laughs> right? I love his delivery of his lines. It, it, the way Wentworth Miller like plays Snart, Captain Cold, is just, it's like the best choices like, yeah. again, like, because the last time I seen him in anything, it was Prison Break. Him, um, when I'd seen Dominic Purcell in, in, Purcell in a couple of, like, sci-fi TV movies or whatever the hell. One of which, Vikingdom, is amazing because of how terrible it is. <laughs> oh, and he is just not giving a fuck through the whole thing of it. Like, he has absolutely no inflection in his voice. Like, he's just standing there like, yes, something terrible just happened. Can't you tell? I'm grieving. I'm in mourning. There, I've gotten through it. I'm, I'm at the stage of acceptance. But in this, in in these shows, in the Flash and in uh, Legends of Tomorrow, they are the most charismatic people, and it's amazing. Um, but uh, but yeah, like uh, it's a rip, rip turn. Yeah, and and we're keeping Rip, unfortunately. But you know, maybe maybe he'll be murdered somehow. Maybe he'll just be like the first episode next season, and someone else can get to take over being captain. Well, and I, I mean, I like, I, I sort of like how they ended it with the, uh, they basically got their Hour Man reference in uh, with what Rex Tyler, I think. Yo, yo, do you want to know my DVR cut off the last minute of the last episode? Oh, I don't know spoiler. why it did, but it did. Yeah, all of a sudden I'm watching it. Just it ended before, like, actually the end. Oh shit! <laughs> but do you, I mean, do you know what happened? Yes, yes okay. I do. <laughs> I asked. Okay. Uh, but yeah, with with the, the other wave rider coming in, and then Rex Tyler being all like, I'm part of the you know Justice Society of America, and it's just like, okay, what now? <laughs> like, are you from Earth 2? Because I don't know where the Justice Society exists, but it's not in this timeline. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, no, I wondered the same thing about that. Um, of course, the other possibility is that somehow there was a Justice Society, like, in the 50s, and just somehow people don't know about it now, but... Well, it's true, but, I mean, it's, uh, because, uh, what is it, Wentworth Miller is basically going to be, like, you know, his time is going to be divided between Legends and The Flash, so he's going to be, I don't know if he's going to be a full, I mean, he's going to be half-time on there, so it'll be interesting to see how they incorporate Snart back into Legends of Tomorrow, like, is it just going to be that Mick keeps going back to 2013 <laughs> <laughs> have conversations? Well, that doesn't explain how they put him in The Flash, though. So. Yeah, exactly. So, well, and this goes into the greater uh, issue with that happened with the Flash, where at the end he goes back in time again, and <laughs> actually, like, uh, he didn't kill Reverse Flash. He just kind of knocked him. Out. What did he do? Yeah, he he knocks him unconscious. There we go. Okay, so he just he stops Reverse Flash from killing his mother. So he effectively basically wipes out this entire timeline. Right. And so, I mean, let's just just get into the flash. Like, what what did you think of that ending? <laughs> well, can, 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 I, can I go back to, to Legends of Tomorrow yes, for just yeah. a second? Sure. I, I just want to finish out Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Um, that finale, though, may have had me, like, yell, like, oh, come on, like, more times than I've ever uttered them in my entire life just for that one episode. Really? Because, you know... There was there was so much Deus Ex Machina going on. Mm. Like even the fact that the the helmet that Kendra 
I saw was the exact same, you know, like, oh, there can't be any other helmets with that marking on it in yeah. all of existence, and that's the one that she finds is the one that Rip will have, to, okay, so somehow destroying the world in three time periods will reset the world. How does killing Savage in three time periods not reset something? Like, I thought that's how they're going to bring back Snart. Mm-hmm. It's like somehow it was going to undo their whole journey or what, like, they might remember, but, like, all the things that they had to do would be, like, undone because, you know, like, Savage had, had an existence since the 50s and how is Rip's family not alive if Savage died in the 50s yeah you know there's a lot of issues with that whole episode that kind of just puts a really big cap because I felt like the episode before that the penultimate episode was really good mm-hmm. and I was like oh we're, we're really setting up like a decent finale here and then we go into that finale and it's just like you know we're gonna tie this gigantic like you know lead weight on it and just drag this thing down <laughs> until it ends as one does and, and and i like how they left it though i agree with you there the idea that time because that's what i said i mean it basically has to be the end of terminator 2 uh, for the series of no destiny right i mean there's no they had to break that whole idea that time has to you know wants to happen a certain way mm-hmm. because that was one of the most frustrating things about the show and so, yeah, so now that the Time Masters, um, you know, can't do their thing, and time is kind of, like, unstuck, you know, them to be, like, the time policemen. Yeah. I feel like gives the show, like, some real purpose going into season two, where we can actually have fun episodes that play with real historical events, mm-hmm. where they have to fix some, you know, to put right what once went wrong, yeah. kind of thing, <laughs> you know, and, and that might make this, like, a really fun, enjoyable show, but yeah, I mean, I feel like the whole, like, we gotta stop Savage except time wants Savage to happen thing mm. was just a lesson in frustration and dragging out, like, a two-part story into 16 episodes. Yeah, it's like time <laughs> wants it to happen. It's like, no, you just need to get into the next episode so you can end it now instead, you know? <laughs> But anyway, yeah, I just wanted to have my say there about the new format of the show going yeah. into it. And I feel like jettisoning Carter and Kendra was good. I, I hate losing Snart, but maybe now with Rip being like time cop, you know, <laughs> he'll he'll get a little more to sink his teeth into next season. Yeah, he'll be he'll at least loosen up a little bit because damn, guys, a killjoy. Right. <laughs> like... and, and I think they really need to find out his family really is alive in the future to mm-hmm. like help him out a little bit because, like I say, with savage they should still be alive yeah kind of true well <laughs> based on everything that they've done in terms of time travel nothing should happen then everything should happen um right. because with with barry you know once again going back in time and then basically wiping the slate clean all over again which who knows if they're going to try and stick with a new timeline or if they're going to find some way to like reset again like a few episodes in where it's like well we got to get back to the you know other people and blah 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 it's like oh, i don't know uh, but we'll we'll know if suddenly arrow is different when we go back to arrow too but i don't think they're going to do- i think it's going to be a self-contained storyline just for flash mm-hmm. we're going to see an alternate version of the you know he's going to go back to the present he's going to be a normal guy he's probably going to be dating or married to iris mm-hmm. um but not have powers yet because remember that was the thing that thon said yeah. was that even though barry would have always become the flash he was going to make it happen sooner mm-hmm. and so i think it's Barry's restoring that original timeline, which is what it looks like he did, he won't be the Flash yet. And I think he'll see the consequences of that. There will be something that doesn't work anymore. You know, it's like, 
he'll have the thing where his mother is still alive and you know in some way he'll be happy but there'll be some other consequence yeah well, uh, and, that, that will screw things up there he'll have to fix it because well because when they they bring in the whole idea of the you know the time race because there has to be something with time attached to it <laughs> well i, I want to know why they can't like talk between Legends of Tomorrow and Flash to just come up with a consistent... It's like, both shows deal with time travel. Why don't we actually, like, make something consistent out of this? Because there's no time rates on Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, because based on what The Flash has said about, you know, how, you know, if you change the timeline, then the time rates come after you and blah 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 there should be, like, an army of them coming after, like, the Wave Rider team. <laughs> Well, the other thing I love about The Flash is they can't even be consistent within their own show, because normally when he goes back in time, he takes his own place. Mm -hmm. But the one time they needed him to be duplicated, or actually that whole finale also plays with this, but the other time, you know, when they actually goes back to an episode in season one, and they need him to be duplicated, mm -hmm. all of a sudden he can duplicate. Hmm. And it's like, well, wait a minute, why doesn't that work the same way as every other time you've run back in time where you just take your place? Yeah. Uh, didn't work. Uh, it's like, none of this works. Time travel? No! We just say time travel, and we expect that everybody just feels like we can do whatever we want. Yeah. Well, and, and how did you feel that it was all basically leading up to uh, Zoom wanting to race Barry? <laughs> it's like, oh, Barry runs, has to run around a circular object really fast in the finale. Gee, <laughs> I, I don't think we've done that yet. <laughs> I mean, okay, so the other speedster is running with him this time, but still, it's kind of like, uh, <sighs> I, I, I feel like Zoom has been mishandled. Uh, the, the, I felt like the whole thing went south once we revealed who Zoom was, and they never yeah. really recovered from it. It's like, because, it's Jay Garrick, what? Because, uh, it was the most uninteresting possibility, mm -hmm. um, I feel like, um. It was also, they had to invo invoke this whole time remnant thing, which was fine as an explanation for why we could still have the reverse Flash. Yeah. Because, you know, it's like he's traveled in time a bunch, and to say that, like, oh, those bits of himself that were traveling in time get protected and don't change along with the rest of the timeline, that kind of worked. But to say, like, oh, it's a willy-nilly way for you to duplicate yourself whenever you feel like it, and for <laughs> even Barry to start doing it at the end of the series, it's like, well, geez, any time now that there's any difficulty, Barry can just be like, oh, time remnant, I can duplicate myself, and we can just sacrifice one of me. Yeah. <laughs> And I, just, oh, I, I feel like it is a huge Pandora's box that they opened with that. Mm -hmm. And then the other problem with it is, okay, so Zoom duplicated himself. You know, one of them stayed on Earth 2, and the other one went to Earth 1 to, you know, infiltrate, you know, Team Barry and everything. Yeah. But then how does the one who's still alive remember all the things he did with Caitlyn? Uh, that is a good question. And so it's like he shouldn't know because they diverged at that point. They became two separate beings. Unless they're, like, still linked in some way? Like, did they establish a psychic link? Yeah, well, I guess it makes about as much sense as anything else. Right? But, <laughs> like... Yeah, I, I, you know, I was very big on the idea of it being Eddie. 
just because I felt like there was a lot of really good drama they could pull with that. It would also create the roadblock to Barry and Iris getting together where, you know, they start, you know, Iris starts realizing she has feelings for Barry, but then suddenly Eddie's alive! What? You know, and then, like, you know, have, have you know, that be something, uh, you know, to, to, to kind of make her conflicted. And uh, But even then, I mean, all the other possibilities people were throwing out there that it was, you know, Henry Allen from Earth 2, that it was Barry from Earth 2. That could, it could be anyone. The mm-hmm. only person that would have been worse, I feel like, than Jay is if it was Wells. <laughs> oh, my God, if they had done that again. <laughs> You're like, son of a bitch. But even then, it's like, it's the same basic idea season one, though. Oh, the guy that I trusted and looked up to as a mentor is really the big villain. Mm-hmm. Well, they even doubled down on it with having, like, alternate Wells. Uh, in there too and they have like what those couple of episodes where you're like oh my god he totally betrayed him but then at the very least they were smart about it and had Barry be all like look we would have done the same thing given the circumstances blah 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 hey you're still on the team Uh, (laughs) so at least they had some growth I guess yeah the other thing that bothered me was the um was okay we set it up I was expecting it they gave Barry back his powers after he lost his powers and Jesse and uh, Wally were, were there mm-hmm. and they got hit with the thing and I'm like oh yeah we're gonna get multiple speedsters we're gonna get a whole flash team and that's how they're gonna take down Zoom is working together right? and we're gonna get this we're gonna get this and then we get to the end of the season it's like seriously nothing neither neither of them gets anything Ugh. that was so disappointing to me and yeah I know that next season at least Jesse will develop power I think they might be playing a longer game with Wally mm-hmm. um because, you know, he didn't get knocked into the coma like Jesse did. Yeah, probably. And, and I know that he's also supposed to get doused with chemicals for his origin, so... Yeah, but they've been uh, playing fast and loose with that. I mean, he's also supposed to be Iris's nephew, so... Right, no, I know, I know. But I'm thinking maybe there'll be a second event to jumpstart Wally, so I'm like, okay, I'm okay with that, but at least one of them should yeah. have become a speedster. And I was really looking forward to Jesse yeah. as a speedster, Jesse Quick. Um, I like Jesse. Um, I wish we had Johnny Quick and we established legacy, but that's a whole other you know, storyline. <laughs> that's another but, can of worms. That's a whole other can of worms. But you know, to make her Wells's, you know, da- uh, you know, daughter is okay. But um, yeah, I, I just the fact that we didn't get either of them. I mean, that that finale, the whole finale was made okay by that shot of Jay Garrick. Oh my God, Jay Garrick. Because yeah, the the because the the reveal of the 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 man in the iron mask is actually that he is what the we're calling it Earth Three Jay Earth. Garrick, who is actually uh, Henry Allen, uh, his doppelganger or one of his doppelgangers basically, and he gets to put on the classic Flash outfit, complete with the Mercury helmet and everything, and there's just this beautiful shot of him standing there like all heroic like, and it's a great. Not only is it just kind of an awesome shot, but it's a great um, homage for uh, John Wesley Shipp, who everyone knows played the original Flash in the 1990s series. Uh, so for him to actually like don a Flash's outfit and to be basically the representative of the Golden Age Flash, no less, is kind of awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I like it. I, I mean, and I and I like the fact that it's elder statesman Jay rather mm-hmm. than young Jay. Because when they introduced Jay and, you know, they introduced him as, as a, you know, a fairly young actor, I was like, oh, because I, I like Jay 
and what I've read of Jay has been the elder statesman golden age Jay mm-hmm. who's still around kind of as a mentor to Wally um, and, and I liked that run of comics that I read yeah um, and um, that's the Jay that I wanted the and, Flash and, family is amazing I love it yeah and um, you know and so I'm glad to have that version of Jay and you know it makes sense to have it be John Wesley ship I just I just I just really loved the scenes, though, with Henry Allen and Dr. Tina McGee, and <laughs> I wish we could have had more of that for a little bit, because, you know, that was super cute, and... It was adorable, <laughs> like, I don't believe we've met, <laughs> because they did, they totally did. <laughs> but, and, you know, a whole episode with, like, the trickster and Henry Allen or something. Oh, <laughs> well, well, they sort of did that, but uh, with him kidnapping Henry. Oh, that's right, mm-hmm. you're right. They I actually had, him. um... I had met John Wesley Ship at Comic-Con, I think it was last year, uh, when they did that episode. Yeah, I, I met him, it was like right before that episode aired where Mark Hamill guest starred. And I was just like, I just need to ask, do you have a scene with Mark Hamill? And he was like, yep. <laughs> I was like, yay! <laughs> so I just, I just wanted to, I just sauntered over, just kind of talked to him for a few minutes, and so just being like, I, you know, I like what you're doing, I, his, his scenes, um, every time he showed up on The Flash, when those like... He says sometimes some of the corniest dialogue, but because John Wesley Shipp is a really good actor, he can sell it. Um, and I always liked his scenes with uh, Grant Gustin. I thought that they, you know, played a very believable father-son duo, you yes. know. And uh, actually, I like all of the actors on this show. I think that they all do really well with what they're given, but they just need more. Um, but I, uh, with the timeline getting altered at this point... You know, I, I was really like looking forward to in the next season, and and hopefully this might get happen. This might happen when they reset again, because they'll potentially have to do it anyway. Um, whereas you could, where you could have the Earth Three Jay Garrick show up from time to time to act as a mentor to Barry. Um, it would be kind of nice because that would be very in line with how the comics were kind of. But then also just you know give John Wesley Ship a, a reason to come back every once in a while too. Oh, I expect that that's what we're going to see, because even if the timeline is screwed up in the beginning of the season, I have a feeling they're going to fix it. Because mm-hmm. remember, The Flash has interacted with Legends of Tomorrow and um, Arrow to where if they have to reset the Flash timeline, they'll have to reset the other shows too, and I don't think they're going to go that route. It'll be a, it'll be a self-contained story, yeah. and they'll put things back. Um, so yeah, I, I totally think we're going to get more uh, Jay Garrick, and I'm still hopeful. What I would still love, uh, you know, with, with Wells going back to Earth 2 at the end of the season, I think I still want to see a way for them to do some sort of temporal shenanigans mm-hmm. to reinstitute the Thawne version of Wells. Mm-hmm. And then we can have our cake and eat it too, because we can have both Wells. We can have the Wells from Earth 2 visit from time to time, and we can have the Thawne Wells, who's had the, you know, the lifetime of watching Barry and, you know, has the weird sort of, like, I love you and I hate you kind of relationship <laughs> with him. And it will just give Tom... No, because Tom Cavanaugh is such a great actor. He really is. He just and sells I, the crap out of it. I want to see him play, because, I mean, I think we're going to get a third version of Wells now in the third season with yeah, the storyline. He's going to we'll be a, a featured player. He's Well, he's main main cast now. And he'll be... He'll be the version of Wells on Earth One that would have been if Thawne hadn't killed him. Yes, I, and so kinder, gentler. <laughs> right. 
Wells. So we'll see that Wells. But like I say, I would love for Wells to be, or for Tom Cavanaugh to be able to play multiple different versions of Wells and just kind of like, ah, this one's kind of boring me right now, so I'm going to do this one now, you know? I would actually love it if all three of them met up at some point. Like, <laughs> right. one in the wheelchair, one with the kind of the more messy, messy hair, and then the kinder, gentler one, and they're just all having a conversation. The, the Grodd episode oh where he has to pretend to be the, mm-hmm. the Thornwells. Yep. And Cisco is like, act like you love me, but like you're like a psychopath or something. Yes. Like he's, <laughs> like, Ramon. <laughs> <laughs> you're like the son I never had. Or knowing you has taught me what it's like to have a son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, creepy. <laughs> I love yeah. Once they kind of worked out the kinks with the, the new the new Wells or Harry or whatever, just his interactions with both Caitlin and Cisco were just so good. I mean, especially with Cisco because anyone's interactions with Cisco automatically become more fun. Um, just even like him and Iris during uh, when they're trying to get Barry back and they're going up against like zombie girder. Um, I, I know you don't really care for that episode all that much, but I just like the. You know, uh, they're in the the quote unquote morgue, I guess, and he's like, "Get behind me!" She's like, "You get behind me!" <laughs> Just the way they interact is so good. <laughs> I, no, I understand. I just, I just felt like you know, like, you know, we, we, you and I have talked before about how people overhype Joss Whedon. I feel like Kevin Smith is sometimes overhyped because hmm. I felt like that episode wasn't particularly good. Um, it felt like Kevin Smith watched some Star Trek Deep Space Nine and wanted to do the same thing. Well, he because... didn't write it. <laughs> he, he, he directed it. It was written by uh, Zach Stentz, who is a uh, uh, television writer. Okay, fair yeah. enough. But, yeah, the whole zombie girder thing was just like, well, we need a B-plot to keep them busy. Yeah. And it wasn't particularly good B-plot in my mind. And <laughs> the A-plot, I mean, I almost kind of felt like I knew the beats that were going to happen mm-hmm. just, you know, in the very beginning. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah, I've seen those episodes of deep space nine before, <laughs> even, even to the point of having his mother be there in the surreal, you know, uh, escape of this before. And, and I have a fundamental issue. Again, this comes from reading a lot of, uh, of, of flash comics, mm-hmm. um, you know, of, I have a fundamental problem with Barry entering the speed force and, but, and not running fast to do so. Mm-hmm. The whole idea that he can just be stationary and go to the Speed Force bothered me, um, you know, uh, fundamentally. But, but beyond that, I just felt like that whole episode took a long time to say very little. Yeah. No, it was just like, he's got to accept his mother's death and everything once again. And, uh, yeah, cause... And, and they never set up that he had had a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah, it does fall back to those words that Wells left for him in his will where he said like he'll never be happy yeah. but at the same time we never really built up that he had a chip on his shoulder about that decision Yeah. and then when the whole idea of this is supposed to be that he comes to grips with it and he's totally cool with it to then have the season finale two episodes later be I'm totally not cool with it <laughs> well and then it's like he he comes to grip with his mother's with his mother's death he's like he's he's totally you know he's made peace with it and then to lose his father it's like I understand that they're trying to get him to an emotional enough place where he would just be like you know like screw this because we've already established that he understands the, this whole time race thing. And you know, that the, the more he mucks around with it, the more he's going to have some problems like for him to do that again. It's just like, 
Wow, Barry, way to be the most selfish person ever. <laughs> well, the thing is, this won't fix Zoom. And yeah. when, when one of his issues with this season was, I won't allow Zoom to like destroy another Earth, what he's done by creating this new timeline is, Zoom will still be created on Earth 2, mm-hmm. and now Zoom just won't have the outlet into Earth 1, and Zoom will, you know, wreak havoc yep. in Earth 2. Exactly. It's just, it's... I, I, I don't know if they're, like, trying to set up that whole thing that where, where Barry is just, like, an unthinking bastard about all this stuff, but it's just kind of like, really? I mean, we just kind of, like, settled, you know, into this thing, and, and then it, it's also for them to reset on Barry and Iris, too, because for the last couple of episodes, they've just been like, well, maybe we should do something, you know, as a couple or whatever, and it, they don't really do much except talk about it. Which... Yeah, that, that that was one of the things where when they already set up Patty mm-hmm. as the like perfect girlfriend, <laughs> maybe a little, is, I mean, a little too perfect. And they already set her up, and then they artificially broke them up, and it felt kind of forced. Mm-hmm. And I knew that that meant that they were going to try to do something with Barry and Iris, but at the same time, it was like when you're on the second season of a show that could easily go five and probably even seasons mm-hmm. you don't want to have the main character get into a stable relationship because that's just not good drama right mm-hmm. and so i knew that there would have to be some MacGuffin to then screw up barry and iris getting together like i thought or, or like i said you know eddie coming back in whatever form that took whether he was zoom or even the man in the iron mask i thought maybe at one point um because maybe that's how Zoom found out about Barry was talking to somebody from Earth One. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some way of bringing Eddie back would have done that, but instead to do this is another artificial sort of push of it's going to screw up him and Iris getting together somehow. Yeah. Um, you know that 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 just didn't work. <laughs> yeah. For me, it just it just felt like it was the wrong way of doing what they wanted to do. Exactly. And well, and even just like towards the end, you know, how, how awesome would it have been if they had gotten Jay out of that mask like earlier, you know, and then had him and the golden age flash, like have to take down zoom or something like that. Or even like, what if Jesse's power started manifesting at that point? So then they have to like get her on board too, or something like where you have multiple flashes trying to take zoom down. And it's just like, Potential. Yeah, that's what I was expecting. That's what seemed to be built mm-hmm. by the, all this build-up was we're going to have multiple flashes. And we had multiple routes to multiple flashes. And I would have been fine with just two. Mm-hmm. I was hoping for a big team of flashes. But, you know, <laughs> I would have been fine with two. What do you call it? What's, it, what's the, the name for a group of flashes? <laughs> Gaggle of flashes. <laughs> a beam of flashes. A beam of flashes. <laughs> Well, and, and this also goes back to, like, the Speed Force is kind of a dick. Like, it's, I mean, I, I can't recall from a lot of the, the comics that the Speed Force was, like, a, like, like talked to people, but... Uh, yeah, I've never seen that. I mean, uh, uh, it was more like the Speed Force is, like, the afterlife for speedsters. Kind of, yeah. And, and it never really had a personification that I saw. Yeah, and, I mean, because... From what I have seen before, it's like speedsters can go so fast that they kind of meld with the speed force, where they just kind of lose themselves in it. Right, it's very much a Nirvana yes. kind of, uh, yeah, mindset. Yeah. And uh, Wally is technically by the, the 
by the timeline of the pre-52 DC comics, he's the only speedster that's actually been able to, like, harness it in a way that was effective. Um, Because when Barry died um, in Infinite Crisis, during Infinite Crisis, way back in the 80s, uh, he he kind of like sacrifices himself by you know he uses the speed force but it like it tears him up basically because uh, he tapped into it but no one knew that's what was happening um, but we do get kind of an homage to that with the uh, the time replicant uh, sacrificing himself and the way he kind of breaks up and dies is is an homage to Infinite Crisis so they got their cake and ate it too on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, there, there were so many ideas this season but then there were so many bad ideas too and i felt like it just kind of like watched like i say the whole time remnant duplication thing such a bad idea Mm -hmm. so easy to exploit whenever they feel like it and 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 it will ruin any time you know any any situation where he has to use that will feel fake and forced yeah because it's not a real... He can, he can basically create this duplicate that can be sacrificed offhand with no consequence. Yeah, that might end up being something they're going to have to like retcon a little bit so he can't do it as much. Now, do you think we're going to see Hunter... I should, I should call him Hunter Zolomon. Do you think we're going to see Hunter Zolomon again as the Black Flash? I don't know. It feels like... I mean, from the way things were going, it didn't seem like they really knew what they were doing anyway with, uh, with the actors. Because <laughs> well, after a while, you're just kind of like, okay, we, we've established that Zoom is going to be coming. He's coming eventually. Eventually, Zoom is coming. <laughs> oh, God, is he here yet? Um, uh, so it always feels like they set up these big bads and then they don't do anything about them for, like, slews of episodes. Until it gets to, like, oh, okay, well, now we need to kind of talk about him coming back. I disagree. The first season, I felt, was a master class in how to do this. Because Mm -hmm. they clearly knew the storyline they wanted to tell. Mm -hmm. And they gave telegraphs. I mean, the whole reveal of Wells as the reverse Flash, Mm -hmm. you know, comes at the mid-season finale. Yeah, no, I mean, that was a really... Sorry. No, no, no. I mean, that was was well done. I'm just saying, like, the it, it feels like with the... The shows in general, with these, especially these Berlanti ones, and especially this year, it has felt like they 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 don't know how to sustain the twenty twenty three to twenty six episode format with these particular villains because they don't have a handle on them. Yeah, I I mean I felt like this this series season of the Flash they made it up as they went along, mm-hmm. which is why a lot of the revelations came kind of late and then didn't seem to have much point they didn't really work with what they did later i mean the whole idea that time race which yeah were introduced you know uh, you know seven or eight episodes before the finale you know or how they get rid of zoom it just felt really it's a satisfying it's a yeah. cop out you know it's... yeah i wanted to see barry defeat zoom in a way that showed that he was better you know faster than zoom could defeat zoom you know, based purely on skill, mm-hmm. and then to have Zoom contained somehow so that he could face justice. Yeah. Having, having the time race as the magic MacGuffin just because Zoom was surprised that Barry had duplicated himself and then was able to hit him a few times and mm-hmm. the time race come and take him away. It's like, that didn't really create, you know, a, a satisfying conclusion. And maybe that's why they have Barry in the state that he's in because it wasn't satisfying for him either, but... Mm-hmm. It just, uh, it just <laughs> didn't work. Didn't work, but yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, there. Were, I mean, like you said, there were some really good episodes uh, in this 
a season, but yeah, there's all, it just felt like, I think sometimes the mediocre ones kind of overshadowed them at times where, or maybe it was just like a consistent mediocrity. <laughs> well, and how about setting up that Zoom has brought an army of metahumans over to Earth One right. and they were just going to attack the city. And then in like the first like two minutes of the next episode, we see the Flash mop up all of them except for like, you know, a few. How cool would it have been if that was like the mid-season where he brings over all the new metahumans? Like, you know, you, you spend like all this time building up Zoom where you could have just like brought Zoom in really early on instead of him like, okay, I'm just sending them in one by one to like, <laughs> whatever. What if he just like, like... martial arts movies where they have to, even though there's a whole gang of ninjas, they gotta fight the protagonist one at a time. Yeah. I mean, of course that's how that works, right? <laughs> Why would we overwhelm him? <laughs> like, the, it just feels like you could have brought Zoom in way earlier, like <clears throat> have Barry and him go up against each other for like a, a few episodes, but then like Zoom decides like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring all the metahumans over from my side and I'm going to send them at you. Like you could have set up like a, um, what was it? The, the nightfall storyline from Batman kind of where zoom overwhelms Barry with so many, uh, metahumans that he's just exhausted. And then zoom comes in and like gives like the, you know, the, the, the devastating blow or something like that, you know, really like if you're going to put a hero at his low point, that could be the low point, you know? Yeah. My, I mean, cause the, the, I mean, here's the thing. Any one of those characters would have been like a whole episode for Barry under normal circumstances. Mm -hmm. And to see him be able to take them all out so effortlessly was kind of ridiculous. And at the same time, that was, I thought, going to be the justification for multiple flashes is, you know, Barry can't handle it on him on his own. And I thought we we're going to have a whole episode of that, you know, of, 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 you know, just multiple flashes taking down the metahumans because it was just too much for one yeah and it was just basically like oh no it's really our excuse to have katie cassidy you know uh, honor our contract with her because we kind of you know got rid of her on arrow a little early and <laughs> we're gonna get into that <laughs> <laughs> and uh and so she's gonna be around the whole episode even though she's not gonna do a whole lot except sort of strut around in black leather and uh <laughs> And by the way, you know that whole thing where we said in season two we're going to address, like, the whole, like, moral issue of, like, locking people in a pipeline? Uh, that's totally just something uh, we just do whenever we feel like. And um... <laughs> Yeah, I like when uh, what, what Captain Singh is act, uh, asking Joe about, like, don't even want to know? They're like, nope, you don't. It's like, oh, okay. Well, we're just cool with that now. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, because... Yeah, so they created the whole thing of they have, like, power dampeners or whatever with those things they can, you know, those those big, like, manacle-type things they can put on them, yeah. which allows them to lock most of them up in the in the jail. But whenever they feel like it, they still lock people up without trial in the pipeline. Yep. <laughs> like, um, oh, whatever they call her. It's not Black Canary. It's uh, Black Siren. Black Siren, thank you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just like, oh, yeah, we'll just leave her here in this, you know, pipeline thing and <laughs> 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 to hell with any rights she might have or anything you know <laughs> it's like right smites yeah exactly like right makes might right right <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh yeah it's it's a lot of uh, ethical conundrums there that they're kind of glossing over be like you guys don't want to know anything about this like no no because you made a big deal of it, out, out of it before and even on Supergirl you made a big deal out of it so guess what is a big deal. <laughs> like, 
Yeah, frankly, that's the one time I really liked uh, James in Supergirl was when he made the big deal about it, mm-hmm. uh, about them locking up War, uh, um, a Lord, because, um, you know, yeah, I mean, that's totally right. I mean, if you want these characters to represent, you know, all the best qualities of humanity, you can't let them just lock people up willy-nilly like that. I mm-hmm. mean, there's a real fundamental problem there. Yeah. And, and back when there was nowhere that could contain those people, there was at least an argument for it. Mm-hmm. Even though there should have been some sort of outing of it and for that to be presented as the thing, like, to, like, the proper authorities that, hey, you know, this is the only place we can contain these people, but we want this to be legit, so, you know, we want you to know about it. But at least I understood why it had to be done. You know, but now it's like, no, we have this total alternate, you know, way of, you know, taking care of these kinds of guys, and it's like, they still just, like, you know, mm, when is? it's convenient for us, we lock them up there. Yeah, what is? <laughs> <laughs> Though I did, I mean, still my, I think my two favorites might be uh, when they did King Shark and uh, Gorilla Grodd again, so it's like... Oh yeah, King Shark and the whole episode of King Shark. (laughs) (laughs) It was just really, yeah, I mean, I'm impressed. I mean, like like I say, I mean, the effects on the CW aren't as good, but King Shark, they definitely uh, realized very well. Yeah. Like I and and I'm excited for them to maybe do more of that stuff too because I think what was so appealing about especially the first season of the Flash was just how um, n- you know how crazy it could get with all the Silver Age stuff but still feel uh, like a fun you know uh, hour of television where you you know you knew what was happening you had these really great leads and everything but then you could also have like this ridiculous superhero craziness which you know Arrow doesn't do as much and when they do it's just more confusing than anything else well I want to know what happened to them promising Mirror Master this season and we never got him they they had promised it this season yeah there was an article you know uh, back at the beginning of the season where they said yeah we're gonna you know, definitely try and fill out the rogues a little bit more. And Mirror Master was one they mentioned by name. Oh, and now so I'm I was upset. waiting for Mirror Master and never got him. Rass of You bring Mirror Master in this right now. <laughs> Instead, Zoom just randomly display, you know, creates the ability, you know, adds the ability to create breaches mm. because they decided should have that power although then why he had to wait for cisco to open the breach yeah to come back to earth one doesn't make sense nope and you know then he's saying that he already knew about other earths before the big singularity opened because he had found jay before that mm-hmm. and yeah mm. the, but uh, yeah story <laughs> doesn't make sense oh no i've gone cross-eyed the one thing I want to have, the one thing I want for season three is for the finale not to be Barry having to run in a circle really fast. <laughs> if, if we can just create a different finale where the scenario is different, maybe not even a an evil speedster. I know that's asking for a lot, mm-hmm. but if the if the big bad is is not an evil speedster and Barry doesn't have to run really fast in a circle, I think I'll be happy. I say bring on Gorilla City. <laughs> Do it. Have Grodd take over, and he's like trying to bring an invading army over. <laughs> no, that would be that would be that would be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's all sorts of things they could do. There's already all the rogues they've established. They could do something like we were talking about, like with the you know a Nightfall esque storyline where all the rogues just decide to go crazy in the city. Mm-hmm. Something, you know, other than an evil speedster. I, I do want them to do Savitar at some point. Uh-huh. But... 
that, but yeah, since we've just done Reverse Flash and Zoom, I don't want it to be next season. Yeah. It's like, let's, I, let's, let's uh, take some time, reevaluate. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, the thing is, Savitar means that we'll get Max Mercury, who mm. I've wanted since the beginning of this show to be the mentor figure for Barry, but since we haven't even given Jesse or Wally their powers yet, despite having set them up... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, Lord knows they'll probably just find some way to get Impulse in there as well. And you're just like, okay, 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 stop. What was the other thing? They, that was another article that came out, I don't know, a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Said that Impulse was going to be this season, which also didn't happen. So, I don't know. They there, keep there, making there's promises. a lot of rumors and bad journalism around The Flash, I guess. Apparently. <laughs> None of them are Iris West quality. <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't pay attention to the facts and instead should just write about how the Flash is great and wonderful no matter what. (laughs) (laughs) Or you could just be like her boss, like, I clearly don't like metahumans at all, nor do I care for the Flash, so tell me how terrible he is right now. (laughs) It's like, I don't think they're doing very good journalism over there at the paper. Well, my problem there was the whole idea of Iris not understanding that what she was doing with the boss was wrong. Was a, a huge conflict of interest. And this is my problem with Felicity and Ray last year, too. Mm-hmm. Was that this is, again, these shows have a kind of moral responsibility to, you know, since these are supposed to be role models yeah. that people are watching, to show ethical situations unless. The, uh, the non, you know, unless it's part of the plot, is that it's a non-ethical situation. You get what, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Unless, unless they make a point that it's, you know, this is a bad thing and shouldn't be done. But this whole thing of like the idea that a boss can date their employee and it's perfectly fine. Yeah. I I really have a strong problem with it because if there's one thing that's been drilled into my head in my professional career, it's that that is wrong. <laughs> because even if you're both mutually consenting adults and everything is great in the beginning, that creates a whole control issue that extends between your personal and private lives, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, can cause all kinds of issues. And it is not, I mean, most companies don't allow this for a reason, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and even in the in the Flash's case with, with Iris and her boss, it's like, it's all based on no one actually completely finishing a sentence because she just says can we go get a you know get a coffee and talk about this and then he and and then he makes the assumption that it's a date like why would you assume that your employee while talking to you at work asking just to get some coffee means that she wants to go on a date like what where is that translation happening because if that's how you think you need to be, like, let go immediately. Well, this is where I'm going to disagree with you. Because <laughs> I think that gender doesn't matter on this, whether the employee was male or female. Asking to go to an outside place and have a coffee instead of, like, sitting around the workplace and having a coffee, mm-hmm. to me, implies something beyond, you know, a professional because it's like, why not just have a coffee right there at work? Just about, I mean, every workplace I've ever seen has a coffee maker. Yeah, and every place that has a coffee maker usually has crap coffee, so and people end up going to another place. I'm gonna, I'm gonna trump you on this one because I know a lot of people in my workplace that go outside of the building to get their coffee. So I feel like my criticism still stands. Okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, I still think that. I still think that there was there was a murkiness to that that you're, you're right there should have been some completed sentences there on both of their parts or or an additional sentence right or an additional sentence to be just like hey i just want to talk about this story with you or you know something like that just to make it kind of clear what's going on because i yeah either way yeah either way i mean because that's the thing i mean i don't feel like you ask your boss out to have a coffee with you as a casual thing anyway. Mm-hmm. And and without mentioning that you want to talk about the story, you know, because right. that's, right. that's the whole thing. It's like when you say that and then you, and then they cut because they're editing, you know, right. uh, it's just like, no, 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 you, you need to cut after the next sentence when right. she says, Oh, to talk about this flash story, not, Hey, you want to go get some coffee? Yeah. Uh, it was just like, yeah. this was an unnecessary misunderstanding. <laughs> so, but then they drop it, like, the next episode, basically. Right. Yeah. So it's well, like, I think what? she mentions to Barry, I think in the next one, that she might be about to date him. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, then they drop it, like, right after that, because she decides that she's not going to go through with it, because she has feelings for Barry. And it's like... And again, it feels like they're just forcing a situation, because Iris... And the, the way they've portrayed Iris, she has come off this entire series as someone who likes Barry, but likes Barry in the sense of either a sister or even, like, a friend, but it's a friend who sort of, like, patronizes their other friend. You, you get what I'm saying? It's like, mm-hmm. she likes him, but at the same time, it's like, oh, you do those cute little geeky things and pats his head kind of thing. <laughs> Where it's, like, it's so frustrating to me mm-hmm. watching it because it's like, you can't be an equal with this person as long as you view them as something lesser because you think that their interests are mm-hmm. um, geeky. Now, they tried to fix that with the conversation she has with him because you get the impression that the only reason she likes Barry at all is that he's the Flash now. Yeah, and sometimes. If he hadn't become the Flash, he'd still just be that geeky little somebody. Mm-hmm. B- but they fixed that with, or tried to fix it with the line that, oh, you can become the Flash or not, and I don't care, it won't change how I feel about you. Yeah. But when the whole momentum of their relationship has been going another direction, and you just try to cover it with a line, <laughs> and when you've already given us Patty, mm-hmm. who I can't stress enough is the perfect girlfriend, <laughs> not just, just for Barry, but for anybody. <laughs> just because she quotes Monty Python doesn't make her the perfect girlfriend. <laughs> oh, Patty was understanding. Patty was, uh, you know, uh, nice. Patty was, you know, there for Barry whenever he needed her. Mm-hmm. I mean, Patty was Patty was the whole Patty. I mean, come on, Sam, you had to have liked Patty. I liked Patty, but it doesn't okay. mean it doesn't mean that she was the perfect person for Barry because Barry was kind of awful to her, you know, most of the time. And then when she finally like demanded something of him, suddenly it was like, oh well, this is my thing now. Oh well, I'm not saying Barry was the perfect boyfriend by any means. I'm saying she was the perfect girlfriend. I know, but is that even really like any better? <laughs> like to to have someone who's like completely on board with everything and is just okay with it until this the one moment you do something that she doesn't like, and then she's like, "Well, I'm going to do this thing, and I wanted you to tell me to stay the whole time." It's like, okay, now we're getting into like really bad territory. Yeah, no, I get your point. You're such a buzzkill. Oh, Mr. Negative over here. <laughs> I really liked Patty. No, I liked her too, but I'm just saying, like, in, they, I don't think that they write the uh, male-female relationships in terms of, like, going beyond the friendship aspects 
all that well, like, on this show or definitely on Arrow. Well, okay, yeah, I mean, don't get me started on season one when Barry changes uh, Caitlin, and Caitlin's like, oh, it's okay if you peek. Oh my god, there's right. so many good things for us all the time, and I'm like, what? Like, so the fact that Barry does good things, like, you know, entitles him to being able to, like... He gets a reward? He <laughs> get a reward? I mean, what kind of message? What? <laughs> or the blatant lying to Iris all the time as if she couldn't understand anything. <laughs> One of my friends was like, it's pathological at this point. Because, <laughs> so like, when they finally bring Eddie on board and he starts saying the same thing, and it's just like, it's like a sickness or something. <laughs> it's like, you're all just cool with this for some reason. I don't understand. <laughs> well, and there was a there was an article I read a while ago that was about, like, the, the fact that none of these women who have been lied to or hurt in some way are even really allowed to be angry about it. You know, they're they're basically like they're kind of angry for you know one of the acts of the uh, of the show, and then by the end of it, they're kind of on, they're pretty much on board, and from there on, we don't really talk about it. You know, Iris has been lied to for a very long time, and there isn't, and she's not even really mad at anyone for a full episode. She's just kind of like miffed, and then comes around by the end of it. Well, yeah, and let's not get started on the fact that actually their whole argument that she was safer because they were lying to her made no sense. Oh my god, because right? obviously to know that there was this potential threat, mm-hmm. you know, the reverse flash was really good for her to know. Yeah, might have, might have been helpful. Right. <laughs> it's like anytime they bring up that whole, like, I don't want to tell you because I might put you in danger, it's like, that's complete bullshit. It's like, if anything, you telling your loved ones that you are who you who you are is going to benefit them in the long run, because at least they can be on the lookout, you know? It gives them some kind of agency in this, uh, uh, in this part of your life. But by blatantly lying to them the whole time, you're just showing you don't trust them, you know? That's, that's yeah. it. That's what it boils down to. You don't trust them. It's like... <laughs> uh, okay. No, I, no, I have one more question. Yeah, yeah. Flash. I know we need to move on. Yeah. How do you feel about Barry going back in time mm-hmm. to a previous episode, mm. changing Pied Piper to a good guy, and it having absolutely no other effect on anything else that happened? I call that them wanting to set up that Pied Piper will probably be in a story somewhere down the line, and we wanted to make him a good guy. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I was hoping that it would look like that was the only thing that changed and then we would find out later oh crap like there were other things that spiraled out from that yeah that, like changed things or even for that to be the setup for how uh Thon wells comes back mm-hmm. is that because even though barry tells him oh no, no no you totally got back to your time you know everything was cool he wasn't an idiot and he knows barry super well so yeah. i think he could tell when barry's lying to him mm-hmm. for him to be suspicious and set up some sort of a safeguard for himself um but we didn't get that we might get it next season but either way i felt like i felt like that was such a cheat yeah i mean and and even the way it goes about because basically you know pied piper helps them and then he goes you know forward in time or whatever and then suddenly it's just we we don't really see the transition it's it's a convenient way to get him on their side without actually seeing the evolution Right. Um, 
Yeah, which again is just kind of like we're skipping steps here in order to get to, it's like we need to get from point A to point B, but in between there's a point A, B or something like that, and they just bounce right over it. (laughs) There's a transition point here, people. Right, and yeah, it just goes, I mean, I, I kind of like, I've always been more of a believer in the chaos theory version of time travel that you can't just create like a one-off change because all events are interconnected. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it's like that would have created like ripples. Yeah. That changed all kinds of other things. You know, he comes back and like Cisco doesn't have a hand or something. (laughs) Whoa, what's that? You know, he's got a hook. Yeah. You don't remember this thing that happened? No, it still would have been cool if he just doesn't have a hand. He's like, what? <laughs> he just pulls like a Luke uh, Darth Vader thing. <laughs> or, or, or Caitlin is suddenly Killer Frost on Earth-1, you know, because, hey. you know, something happened, you know. But... Yeah, it was like the, t- the, the one instance of time travel for Barry where there's like very little consequence. Right. And the only thing that changes is in his favor, sort of. Except we learned about time rays, because that'll be oh. important, kids. Yeah, that'll be important. We kind of sort of brought it up, and then we just use it as an excuse later on. <laughs> oh, okay, but um, I think going forward with The Flash, I am interested to see how they're going to swing this uh, little ripple in time again. Uh, and in oh, some... Hmm? A wrinkle in time. A wrinkle in time, yes. <laughs> Well played, sir. Well played. Because <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> in some ways, it, because there was no... And I think this was my, my problem with the time rates in, initially as well. Because if Thawne went back and killed Barry's mother, where were the time rates then? I mean, that was a pretty big thing that he did. And, and well, they, yeah, I mean, he makes a comment in the flashback episode of, I've been careful, there shouldn't be any time rates. And it's like, you murdered somebody! Yeah. Somebody connected to somebody really important! You'd think the Speed Force would have been like, uh, nah. <laughs> like, can't do that, guy. Uh, yeah, so it's like, you know, I mean, and that's, again, them just not knowing what they're going to do and then just creating a reason to do another thing. Um, so we'll see how how long Barry can hold off the time race after, again, almost screwing with or rewriting the... T- I mean, because if Thawne messed up the original timeline, this could be him writing it. But it, we, we... I mean, like you said, we know it's going to get reset again because then, yes, by definition, what Barry's done is reset the whole timeline, which means everyone's shows would be different. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, I would be totally okay if suddenly, like, we turn on Arrow next year and suddenly it's um, Oliver's father as Arrow because <laughs> it changed, you know, like, it changed ten years worth of history and, like, mm-hmm. suddenly he's the one that survived instead of Oliver and, you know. Oh, man. And, 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 <laughs> and, and Legends of Tomorrow is about them trying to fix what Barry did. And, you know, if we had, like, an interconnected storyline like that. That'd be pretty sweet. That would be really sweet, but I just don't feel like they have the gumption. I think it's going to be self-contained. It's going to be like a four or five episode arc, hopefully. Mm. Hopefully it won't be like a one and done. Like, by the end of the episode, he's fixed it. But... It'd be nice if they let a story breathe every once in a while. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, well, we did this thing. Well, we got to fix it now. But we did this thing again. Now we got to fix it. <laughs> it's kind of yeah, like when my dad and I have a fight. He always, like, 30 seconds after the fight wants to make up. It's like, no! You have to let me be mad. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this. I felt like it ended the season in a really interesting place with a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. But since I don't think they've thought to the next season yet, just by based on the evidence, yeah. it's like the Supergirl ending. It's kind of like, well, that was a cool, like, oh my god kind of moment. But at the same time, if, you're, if your follow-up storyline is just something you make up as you go along, it, it won't have the gravitas behind it that it needs. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, it's again the Flash. I feel like more than any of the any of the shows so far. I mean, and Supergirl has the potential to get here. Uh, I think the Flash has the best means of rewriting or course correcting at this point, just because it has the um, the mechanics built into it to do that. Or I, at at this point, I mean, we can get into this with Arrow now. I feel like Arrow is so lost in terms of what it. <laughs> wants to do. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there was a, a, a salmon ladder this entire season. God damn it. <laughs> Just losing me at every point. <laughs> I, I am going to bring up one final thing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as we're moving off of Flash, do you think they're going to go Crisis on Infinite Earths as the crossover event for this next year? Ooh, like to involve all of the shows and everything? Right, and to merge, because a lot of people suspect now that instead of having Kara on her own Earth, now that it's on CW, they're going to merge her Earth with the prime CW Earth. The, you know, yeah, if they're, if they're intending to unite all of these shows into one, um, yeah, they're going to have to do something because... You need to make it easier for the crossovers to happen. So it's possible. I mean, they already made made the homage to Crisis. Right. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, with him, we'll, we'll have to see what happens when they, re, when they have to make it right again, when he resets to go back to the regular timeline that we know, you know. So, yeah, but I feel like that's, I mean, that has to be how they get her in there. Otherwise, then it's like, okay, well, we got to get the tachyon particle thing in there and blah, blah, blah. Well, but here's my problem with that. Mm-hmm. And this is why I, I don't like, I, I don't like sort of what DC does, you know, did with Crisis in the first place. Because I don't like, because it seems like a cheating way of changing details without creating the full repercussions of it. Because yeah. all of a sudden you say, the Flash and Arrow shows have been exactly the same up until now, except suddenly Supergirl has also been along with them all this time, but that didn't change anything about the series. Yeah, I, I feel like that's a cheat, like we just talked about with Pied Piper, where we'll be like, oh, because we want this one detail to be different, we just made it different, but it has no other consequences. <laughs> well, maybe what they'll do is they'll build up to like this, the mid-season finale is the Crisis storyline. Like, something like that, where they, they, maybe the plan is to eventually merge Supergirl in, but they do it in more of the comic book way, where they build up to it, and then it has to happen, and the mid-season is, you know, just before the final blow, and Superboy Prime punches reality. Uh, <laughs> Somehow I don't think it'll happen the way it happened in the comics. God they do a damn it. <laughs> because I don't think they can involve that many characters in it, because, you know, as we know... Anything that's going to be touched by the movies, even 50 years hence, has mm. already been forbidden. Good. <laughs> I hate that whole thing about... I, that's the one that... I mean, it's one of many things that, you know, puzzles me about the WB interaction with all the DC Comics stuff. It's just like, look, just... you know, If you've already established that they're separate universes, just let them have whatever person that they have. You know, we're not idiots. We can figure out that they're different people. 
Right, and that's and that's really my bad because I'm terrified. Next season, the Flash is fine, but I'm terrified that they're going to say, "Hey, you can't have a season four of Flash because that's going to overlap with the Flash movie that we've got coming out with uh, with Ezra Miller." Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you've just got to end the Flash with season three. Oh, and you really? I don't think they off. do that because I think of the shows, Flash is probably their best one at this point. No, I know, but I mean, it's not like they've been making rational decisions up until this point anyway. Okay, yes, you've got me on that one. (laughs) It's like, oh, we've got Man of Steel. Yes, let's hand Zack Snyder not only Batman vs. Superman, but also Justice League. Oh. Yeah, because that's rational, and then it's like, oh... You know, Arrow is doing this amazing stuff with the Suicide Squad, but hey, we got this idea for a Suicide Squad movie, so guess what? You not only have to kill off the entire Suicide Squad, you also have to kill off Amanda Waller, because somebody might see her, and they might see the uh, Waller on, on the Suicide Squad movie, and they might be confused and be like, hey, she doesn't look the same. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> these two black women are playing the same character? Oh no, which one is which? Well, you know, the only reason I'm okay with them killing off Waller is I'm still hoping that we meet the real Waller at yeah. some point in Arrow where we find out that, no, this was like Waller's stand-in, or, you know, really Waller is in a more secure location somewhere. Oh my god, I don't know the chick's, act, the, the actress's name, but I just could not get behind her as Amanda Waller. Like. No, because I mean, she basically went to the Ben Stein School of Acting. Mm-hmm. It's like, I will just talk in a flat monotone, and you will have to be intimidated by me because I talk in a monotone. Yeah. And it's not that intimidating. Like, I have no personality whatsoever. Yeah, Waller needs to make grown men. Well, no, Waller needs to make Batman wet his pants a little. Yeah. You know, that is Waller. You know, and I think, at least from what I'm seeing, uh, from what little we've seen of her in the Suicide Squad trailer, they're at least going the right way with that movie. Yeah, and, Viola Davis is, you know, of, of the many black women who could have played Amanda Waller, I mean, she's she was, like, top of the list, like, right there. Yeah. I still yeah. think CCH Pounder could have played her. <laughs> no, no, and that, that, yes, that is the best of all possibilities, <laughs> and I would be totally on board. Like, when, when they were casting, I was like, you know, she's not doing anything right now that I know of. I mean, maybe doing some voiceover work and a couple of other things, but I'm pretty sure she could probably still play her in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they did want somebody a little younger, though, is the only Whatever. Thing. <laughs> but at least they didn't go for slim, young, super attractive like they did in Arrow, <sighs> you know, which is... Or in the, well, I mean, they were just basing that off the comics as well, which just pissed me off to no end. Well, that started with the Green Lantern movie, I think. No, because they had, they had started doing that in the comics already. Oh, okay, I see. I thought it was after the Green Lantern movie I heard that the comics started doing that, so... Well, and the thing is, because Alfrey Woodard was playing her, and she, I mean, she's not a, she wasn't a necessarily very slim woman at the, you know, when she was doing that, but they also had her more of a scientist, which right. didn't make any sense, because Amanda Waller's not a scientist. Um... <laughs> Whatever. There's a whole lot of things wrong with that movie. Like Amanda right, Waller's yeah, yeah, the sorry, least. I've kind of muddied the waters here. No, We're talking about Arrow. I'm just saying she's the least offensive thing in the Green Lantern movie. Right. <laughs> that that one goes to parallax. <laughs> Well, at least we're not going to talk about his Archie series. Oh my! I don't know what's happening with that. (laughs) I have no interest there. Why does it seem like everything's happening at Camp Crystal Lake? (laughs) 
Uh, but moving on to Arrow, yes. Um, they are testing me with what I am actually capable of putting up with at this point. <laughs> can, can I ask you a question? Sure. On a scale of, like, one to, like, a hundred, <laughs> how, how disappointed were you that the person Oliver needed to meet to learn about magic at a casino, even, was not Satana? Uh, right? Because like, I thought, for sure, once it was a casino, I was like, oh my god, it's gonna be like Satana, because, you know, I'm thinking Batman the Animated Series, where mm-hmm. she's like a stage magician and yeah. everything else, I'm like, yeah, it's gonna be Zatanna, and they're gonna watch a show, and then they're gonna meet with her backstage, and it's gonna be really awesome, mm-hmm. and I don't even know who that character was, I'm guessing she is a DC character of some kind. I don't believe, like, no, she wasn't, she was not oh. a, not a DC character that I know of. Oh, okay, yeah, because I was just like, who is this person with this outrageous accent? (laughs) Like, Like, for a show to introduce magic in the most underwhelming way possible, and then to consistently be underwhelming with what magic can do, (laughs) is just like, why don't you just make another show that's got all the magic characters in it at this point? Like, (laughs) oh no, that was called Constantine, and it didn't work on uh, NBC, so then they decided to destroy the character when they... (laughs) Constantine knew who Damien Dark was, so maybe he would have had some information or could have helped out a little bit. It was right, because like, the only other mention we get of Constantine is I think he's the one that tipped Oliver off on who to go to to learn about magic. Yeah, and, and even like all the stuff that he does to learn about magic is just like, hey, focus on the positive guy. Like, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> Alright, yeah, this has been kind of my problem. I feel like the success of Flash last year made the Berlanti group think that everything has to be the Flash. And much like how the Snyder murderverse took the wrong lesson, I think, from uh, the Batman trilogy that Nolan did, Mm -hmm. I feel like they've taken the wrong lesson from the Flash. Yeah. The Flash worked because it had the right story for the right character with the right message. Mm Mm-hmm. Every character doesn't need to be the same. I like a mix. I don't want all my superhero shows to be bright and fluffy. I don't want them all to be deep, dark and depressing. Yeah. I like the idea that Arrow lives in this very grounded, you know, Oliver lives in this very grounded world, much like Batman, mm-hmm. where, you know, it, it is kind of dark. He sometimes has to do some questionable things, and sometimes that might create some friction between him and Barry. And I like that Barry has a much, you know, lighter sort of, you know, attitude towards things. Because guess what? When that means when they get together, that creates really good friction. Yeah. Between them. And they understand each other, too. So, that you know, it's not like they're just calling each other out for no reason. It's because they're friends as well. Right. Right. And I thought that they got that really well done with the uh, Arrow episode last year where Barry guest starred. And Barry saw the ways that Oliver had to do things and he wasn't cool with it. Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, but now it's like, they're like, oh, crap, like, The Flash is doing really well. That means we need to make Arrow all about being hopeful and bright and everything else. And it's like, but they're trying to shift a show that's been going one way mm-hmm. in a completely different direction. So to them, it's like, well, we need to have more outlandish stuff. So that means magic. <laughs> and we've got... 
got to, you know, have Oliver talk a lot about hope and change and, you know. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if I can kill this man. It's like, oh, I guess I can kill this man. It's like, like he goes, he goes back and forth so much on whether or not he can kill someone. And then it's just like, it just always falls flat, you know. And, and at the very least with Slade, there was... Because that's why season two was the best one, is because they actually, not only did the flashbacks enforce the story, like reinforce the present story, but the... Uh... You mean not just flashbacks, because that's the format we set up? Right! Because <laughs> <laughs> at least with season one, yes, we're flashing back to like how he survived initially on the island. And yeah, it's a little bit like, eh, whatever. But with like Slade coming into it, and then that also feeding into the present day storyline, and then the uh, the relationship that he had had with Slade that, you know, was more informed once, you know, they're in the present and everything, like, that all worked because it was a, a, a villain that Oliver had uh, not only chemistry with, but could all, but also could push his buttons in all the right ways because he knew him, you know? With, you know, with, Ra- with Rachel Ghoul and now with Damien Dark, there's absolutely no connection to anything. Like, it's just random demagogue trying to blow up this city for reasons, and nothing really happens because of it, except that Ollie questions whether or not he should kill somebody again. I, I, I had several problems once they had the grand reveal towards the end. The first problem was, really, of all the ley line intersections or whatever that Dark could have used, the one that was under the mayor house of a, of a, of a major city was the one that he really, really needed. You know, <laughs> second of all, how did they build that underground city without anyone noticing? Right. Because you don't just construct that with, you know, with nothing. I mean, you need to have all kinds of contractors going in there to build that place. You know, at least with Bruce Wayne, it's a private property where the Black Cave is. You know, he can do whatever he wants. But yeah, if you're doing like citywide kind of stuff, like someone's bound to notice. And even then, they could have done something with that story, or, like, if they have been building this city, you could have had, like, people go missing in, like, the, the worst parts of the glades or something like that. Like, some kind of, you know, the what they were doing with, like, the the Brother Blood storyline a little bit, you know, where the, the homeless are going missing, and then it's like the, you know, you, you bring in the social, social justice aspect of it, which, again, is really where they needed to be taking Ollie, and it seemed like they were trying to at one point. And then it went away. Died a horrible, horrible death. Yeah, I, I... Yeah, I really want him to become the underdog. Yeah. And I feel like it. we're just not. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they want him to have all the fancy toys, but that still goes against everything that Ollie ends up becoming. You know, like, yeah, Oliver Queen is a, was a rich playboy who got caught on an island and blah, 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 blah. But it was really in the 1970s with, like, Denny O'Neill and uh, Neil Adams and everything uh, with the Green Arrow, Green Lantern book where Ollie really became, like, this voice of justice, you know, social justice, like, down on the street level justice. I mean, it's what made him appealing at that point. It was because he would talk about the uncomfortable issues. Um, and they had this potential to, you know, Maybe they weren't going to go like all soapboxy with him, but they at least had the, you know, they at least had the potential to give Ollie like a, a, a bigger purpose after what had happened with the first and second seasons. And it just feels like this squandering of all of this potential there for the Green Arrow. Yeah, I, um, and my third problem <laughs> with the finale was 
Everything? Does everything count as a problem? Was this whole idea that, first of all, they give a timeline for when the missiles are going to hit. And it's like, well, that doesn't make sense because different missiles have different distances to go. And they do bring that up eventually. And it's like, well, two hours just meant for them all to hit. And it's like, well, that's not the important thing. When is the first one going to hit? Yeah, exactly. The second one is... So, while all this has been going on, yeah, they've kept Star City safe, but it's like, shouldn't all these other missiles that have other targets, haven't they been laid? Isn't, like, the world basically, like, a nuclear wasteland right now? Should be. Outside Star City? (laughs) (laughs) They basically brought about the end times, so... I I, I expected them to get on the phone with Barry. Like, Barry didn't need a huge presence in the episode, but something like, Barry, we need you to, like you know, go to all these different places and, you know, disarm these things before they land or something, you know, mm-hmm. here's the specs, you know, like, very run up to the missile while it's still in flight, you yeah. know, or something like that. No, and, he had already so, traveled back in time, he's not available. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, no, it would have been that, a great way of... At least, you know, given them some way of being like, yes, there is a way for us to defeat this thing and save everyone, whereas now it's just like, we feel like because Star City was saved, the rest of the world is, and we're probably never going to mention anything else about those other nukes yeah and one just even like the the whole it it all centers around like how much hope everybody has i mean (laughs) this is the wrong character to be doing that with like it really is i mean at least with supergirl we understood it you know uh because the whole like they're trying to kind of course correct even with the superman entity you know kind of like actually standing for hope because we all know that sad you know saddie mckill your face over there in the (laughs) He ain't gonna be like giving anybody any hope anytime soon, um, but yeah. but the the you know with Arrow it's just not it doesn't work because also there hasn't been enough setup for anything and then it's like Oliver gives one big speech which somehow everybody hears even uh, Captain Lance and uh, Felicity's mom in the sh- in their car <laughs> like everybody hears it and suddenly like John uh, you know Diggle who's like. I have no hope left is suddenly all, we're on board with you, Oliver. We all have hope now. <laughs> it's like, what? That's not how that works. Uh, yeah. And they kept on building up Dark and saying, like, Dark was going to be this amazing villain who was going to do something that no other villain in Arrow has ever done. Mm-hmm. And I still don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, he didn't seem to do much except, you know, stop Arrows in their path and then fling them back at Ollie and then hold people back or something. I don't know. He, like, for, again, like, for the most underwhelming introduction of magic, like, they just don't, they barely do anything with it. Like, this is magic we're talking about. Yeah, like, I, kept, I kept expecting the storyline to go somewhere interesting. Like, they had the whole thing where they brought in Vixen, which I liked. Yeah. And she smashed the idol, and suddenly Dark was without power. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, maybe the thing they're talking about with the villain doing something new is that you know, maybe Dark is going to actually end up helping Team Arrow take down Merlin as the real villain. But that, you know, again, we go back to Merlin having the same relationship with Thea of the, I'm going to save you even though you hate me, you know, kind of stuff where, and he's still the subordinate villain mostly to Dark, you know, because Dark just gets back. Like, you know, his power and does the same thing he always does. The fact that, I mean, I get that John Barrowman is a good actor and everyone likes him and everything, but this character has to die. Like, <laughs> I'm I'm not even kidding. Like, in, in terms of, like, narrative, like, he just keeps doing the same thing, and this is the very definition of insanity. Like, nothing changes about him. 
Like right. he does, he he pulls something. Thea hates him. He comes back and he saves her like once, and then suddenly it's just like, oh, I can't kill you. He's like, yes, you can. You can kill him. It's okay. Everyone would be okay with that because he's been responsible for like way more inadvertent deaths than anything else. Like Laurel is pretty much dead because of him. You know, yeah. uh, him and Dark and everything. I mean, uh, what Sarah died because of him. <laughs> she got better, um, but it's just well, like the way that he used the uh, to cause Sarah's death. Exactly. I mean, uh, to me, like takes away any you know rights that he has to pretend that he's her father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he put her in danger by that act, and and put them down the path that led to the whole Rachel Ghoul thing anyway. Which still, you know, when you really think about it, like just in terms of his plan, doesn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> it's like I'm going to drug my daughter to kill this person because I have an inkling that they will take her to Nanda Parbat. <laughs> And put her into the Lazarus pit, and then that will force Raja Ghoul to want to get. So it's like, wow, this is like really complicated, guy. Yeah, I, I, yeah. The, the Merlin stuff again. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's the charisma of the actor, mm-hmm. but and, and the fact that he does have a strong fan following. But I, I, I think he needs to go for. I mean, maybe not necessarily die, but have him gone for a really long time, and mm-hmm. then bring him back when you have a storyline that actually really merits his presence. Yeah, cuz I mean at least in the in the first season you 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 got it. You know, you understood his uh-huh. reasoning and whatnot. But I mean it was it was still again a person trying to blow up a, at least at this point it was a portion of uh <laughs> Star City. <laughs> but Okay, for season 5, I just want a villain who wants to do something other than destroy the city. <laughs> that would be nice, it right? Be- to take over the city as, like, its greatest crime lord. Mm-hmm. It can be any other possible evil motivate. Like, he wants to get revenge. I mean, I guess getting revenge on the queens is too much like Slade, but Slade wanted to blow up the city and get revenge on the queen. Yeah. At least but, he had, like, double duty going here. <laughs> right, but some plan that doesn't involve destroying the city, you know, is what I want to see. I, I don't care what form it takes other than that. <laughs> it was like anything but this guy's like come on there's got to be more in the in the the idea pot here that says hey what if we if it, if you say blow up the city again i swear to god i will smack you so hard your grandchildren will feel it there's there's got to be other villain motivations <laughs> <laughs> nope apparently they all just want to blow up cities as an example to everyone else apparently it's like okay, that's the so, thing like so- Oh, sorry. But but that's that's my problem with this plan. Every time is like, what's the end game here? Is you're just blowing it up because you want to show people a, a thing, a reason? Uh, I, I uh, it's just like the worst kind of motivation ever. <laughs> like, well, yeah, the one last season was to me the worst because it was like, oh, that's always what the new racial goal has to do is destroy their home, <laughs> and it's like seriously. First of all, and second of all. And you think that Oliver, who did this to save his sister, mm-hmm. will be okay with you then killing his sister and his city? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that whole deal then didn't make any sense at all. You know, it would have made more sense if Ollie had actually been conditioned, you know, if he had actually, like, been mind-controlled or something, because then at least it would have been like, okay, they have to go up against Ollie to stop him from blowing up Star City. And then, like, the last minute is, like, some a- appealing to, like... 
you know, his baser instincts where it's just like, no, you're Oliver Queen. You must help us save this city. And then he's like, oh, that's right. I am Oliver Queen. Blah, blah, blah. Day is saved. put a salmon ladder in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you remember the salmon ladder? He's like, my God, I'm back to my old self again. <laughs> Here, Oliver, just try it for a few minutes. <laughs> But but yeah, it's just like uh, like the the whole Rachel Ghoul storyline just made no sense at, towards the I mean especially towards the end because at least yeah, yeah, it, it seemed like it was going somewhere mm-hmm. up until the mid season finale and then it just like when, once we came back it was just like nope and the flashbacks they're just all building up to that kid dying which you knew was going to happen like two episodes in it's like oh you have a happy family I suppose one of them will die. <laughs> oh, and your wife is basically the uh, the superhero katana. Guess your son's gonna die. <laughs> it's like, wow, way to phone it in, people. <laughs> I mean, Oliver did get to kill the Beastmaster, but you know that was about the only thing that was at all interesting about that. But... Well, and I suppose next season the whole thing is gonna build up to like. How did Ollie learn Russian? Like, if that's if that's what right. you're building well, that's, up to. Yeah, that's the one thing they need to explain still is, because he's already met the guy who mm-hmm. was on the island with him um, in season two. Yeah. Uh, that was on the uh, the Amazo. Yeah, but and he, that, he's, he's actually, uh, he was on Stargate Atlantis. He played one of the scientists on there. Right. I'm just and, saying. Um, <laughs> I know my Vancouver actors. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but we still haven't gotten how Ollie became, like, a name in the Russian mafia underworld mm-hmm. and how he learned Russian. Um, so, so we, yeah, there's somehow that needs to be connected. In. They also have to have him grow his hair out more because when he got, when he was found on the Island, he had like mega beard and, right. you know, castaway hair. So, right. so we've still got some, I mean, again, because you figure we're at season five. So this is the last year he would have been on the Island. Right. So they gotta wrap some shit up, but it sounds like he might be leaving the island again? Yeah, who knows. But here's the thing, they have a choice now. If it gets renewed for a sixth season, Mm -hmm. will they spread out that last year on the island into multiple seasons and always make the flashbacks about the island? Or will they suddenly, will we be flashing back between modern times and year one of him getting off the island? Hmm. Wouldn't that have just been like the first season? Right, yeah, so basically we'll be seeing untold stories in the first season. Oh, that would just probably not be helpful. (laughs) (laughs) But they've already established the format. You don't know how happy I am, because I don't know if you remember, the first few episodes of The Flash flashed back to him as a kid Uh a lot. Yes. And I was worried that they were going to make that like a format for The Flash, too, that like every episode would flash back to him as the kid learning a lesson <laughs> that he would need in modern times. And I was like, please, please, no. And you don't know how happy I was when they abandoned that, because I was like, yes, we don't need this. <laughs> he learned this from his mother every time. It's like, oh, you just want to keep that actress around? Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> Arrow's already screwing itself up by have, forcing itself to do this all the time. You don't need to do this, Flash. Well, they, they started, well, then they did the Flash Forward, so maybe they'll try to do a Flash Forward entirely all season. <laughs> so that, that'll just, like, fuck it up. It's kind of like when Lost started doing that, where you're like, oh, now we're in the future? <laughs> like, that's not helpful. Um, so, so I think we need to talk about two things, at least. Yeah. One of those is all listening. 
Uh, are we ready to just jettison Felicity now from the show? I don't want to. I don't want to jettison Felicity, but I'm. I'm. <laughs> you want to jettison Oliver? From no, I want to. I want to jettison this this whole like will they won't leave b- bullshit like because that that's the thing like they already went through that for the last two seasons and then in this season they're just kind of like oh they're together but obviously that can't you know stick around because that would be you know too convenient we need drama and then all the drama they set up was circumstantial and didn't have to happen if they just talked to each other um and what, wait, two people in a TV show having a misunderstanding that could have been easily avoided by just a little communication? Uh-huh. No. Yeah! <laughs> like, oh, you're just describing a CW show. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, 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 here's my problem with it. Mm-hmm. I, I was one of the people that said it will never last. Yeah. And I felt that that, you know, based on the characters as we know them, Mm-hmm. Oliver would do something to screw it up. Yeah. Instead, yes, they went a different direction. And on some level, I appreciate that fact. But on the other, but but basically, it's they made Felicity to be such a horrible person <laughs> <laughs> to justify the breakup. You know, whereas if Oliver had actually done something stupid mm-hmm. and in some way either, you know, uh, uh, jeopardize their relationship by, by giving undue attention to another woman or, you know, because, you know, he, he has that background, right? I yeah. mean, so it's like, uh, you know, in some way his, 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 his bad tendencies from his past took over and, you know, he screwed things up, I would totally have gotten it. And mm-hmm. I thought that's what was going to happen because even though I do think he's changing as a person and is trying to be- better himself, people who do that do slip up. Yeah. I mean, that's why they have Alcoholics Anonymous, right? I mean, it's <laughs> like even people who are trying to better themselves screw up sometimes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but instead it's like, okay, no, actually Oliver did everything great. Yeah, he did everything he he really should have, he was supposed to do and honored, like, what the, what the mother of his son wanted him to do. Right, like, who even talked to Felicity. Because, mm-hmm. again, I can understand if Felicity thought Oliver was just making it up or something. Yeah. But she even talked to Felicity and said, oh, no, no, seriously, I told him it was the only condition he could have in seeing his son (laughs) (laughs) and and felicity is still like no yeah nothing no one can change uh you were a horrible person before you're still a horrible person the ergo you'll always be a horrible person Uh, and she's like like, it does it's not like i don't love you but i just can't be in this thing but she's always staying like there's no there's no separation of the two i mean really other than the fact that they just don't live together anymore (laughs) I, well, and I hate this whole subplot that's been going on this season of people can't change, mm-hmm. which has been one of those, you know, uh, themes that they've put a big period on every time they've said it, because it's, you know, her whole thing about her father, which now that she's working with her father, I really thought the season was going to end with her going, well, you know what, my father's actually a more decent guy than I thought, so, you know, maybe I was wrong about this whole thing of people can't change, and maybe we should give us a try, you know, give a, you know, give us a chance again. Yeah. But she didn't. No. She was just, yeah, it was, no. And, and the whole thing of them building it up to, first of all, okay, there's a whole other problem here. <laughs> you know, we left with Felicity, you know, we left the mid-season with Felicity getting uh, crippled. Yeah. And um, they did a, a really cool episode about her coming to deal, you know, uh, you know, dealing with it, showing other people that it didn't, uh, you know, hurt her as all as, as a person. Mm-hmm. That she was still uh, as good and as capable as she was before which was a very positive message. 
only to go to, hey, we have a magic chip. Yep. And, again, um, I get that it's a superhero universe. I get that there's, you know, like, super science and stuff. And that's all fine. But that could have been a storyline. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, it could have it could have been, it could have taken longer for them to get there. Yeah. Um, I, I don't really feel they net needed it at all, because they had just proven that she didn't need it. And to me, for them to then just be like, oh, magic chip is like, you just undercut your whole message of she doesn't need this. Mm-hmm. But but then and then to merge that in with the whole breakup thing of it's like I'm gonna walk out on you, Oliver, and then for that to be like oh now the chip magically activates and she gets up, no muscles atrophied or anything. No, she that that was my <laughs> biggest problem with that too. Like when she's like I'm you know when she just starts moving and then she like gets up and just walks out the door. It's like ah uh, no, that's not how that works. <laughs> but I just loved how overblown that scene was of. It's not just, like, subtext, I'm walking out on you. No. (laughs) I'm I'm so mad at you, I'm going to magically overcome my limitation, and I'm going to physically get up and walk out of here. Well, even the fact, because she she rolls in after he's just sent this, you know, he's recorded this message to his son, because, you know, with Damien Dark having kidnapped them, like, the mother takes the kid and isn't going to tell him where he's gone, you know, whatever. Now that Damien Dark is gone, we could probably lift that one. Um... But the, the whole thing is he's recording that message, and then Felicity rolls in. He's like, how much were you listening to? Like, why are you recording it in your house? Like, it's like you're just, uh, Like, everything, that, whenever they do shit like that, it's just kind of like, maybe don't record these things when your girlfriend is, like, in the next room. <laughs> or, you know, even make it, like, just even her reasons for breaking up after hearing him make that that message or whatever, where she's like, you didn't include me on any of the decisions. Like he didn't include you on the decision to tell his uh, baby mama to take his son away. You wanted to be in on that. (laughs) Like what part of this decision-making process did you want to be a part of? Because none of it's really supposed to involve you. Right. No, I mean, it's not your child. Yeah. (laughs) So, it's like, n- not only did the mother of the kid tell you, like, it was it was under her conditions that he could see his son, and he adhered to those, but then, like, she seems like a pretty cool chick, and you kind of got along with her, and you can kind of understandably see why Ollie did what he did, but then you're suddenly like, you didn't include me on any of the decisions, like, ugh, ugh. <laughs> I, I have to say, I was disappointed, though, the kid is not named Connor. Right. <laughs> and which Legends of Tomorrow says that's going to be Diggle's son's nickname. Mm-hmm. Um, was the whole Connor thing. Although I did like the fact that at, at least now we know Diggle is going to survive through the series because he not only needs to still have a son, mm-hmm. but he needs to have a son who's old enough to feel guilty for his death. <laughs> so that means that no longer is Diggle in the death pool. Yay! Because <laughs> I've always been afraid because, you know, he's a man of color. Oh, it's a sad truth, yes. That's the go to. <laughs> At least it's not Walking Dead, you know, where they bring in a black dude and they have to kill off the other one. <laughs> Which you don't watch Walking Dead, so that no, was completely I I pointless. Know. I was thinking of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but that's a whole... <laughs> well, they do that too, I think, as yes. far as I know, yes. <laughs> yes, they do. Well, at, least, at least Mac survived. Right, yes, I was shocked. But uh, the other thing I think we need to talk about with Arrow mm. is the uh, Black Canary... <sighs> so fucking pissed off with it. Which, if there was ever a narrative 
black hole. Well, if there was ever a fitting... Uh, what, what the hell do I want to phrase this? If there was a person who narratively should have died this season that was on Team Arrow, it was Thea. Yeah. They set it up properly. Mm-hmm. There was a whole storyline going there, the whole idea that she was just uh, sickened and, 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 you know, uh, uh, um, uh, what's the word? Like, Broken. Tainted. Yeah, like, tainted in such a way that it was impossible to ever redeem her, and at the same time, her struggle with that and her forcing herself mm-hmm. not to kill was what would kill you. It gave her a heroic, you know, way of, of going out of... You know, I would rather die than become the thing that, that, you know, the Lazarus Pit is trying to force me to be. Yeah. And that would have created, like, uh, uh, you know, a good way for the break between Merlin and Oliver. Mm-hmm. Because then Merlin would be like, how, how could you have let this happen? We had a way of fixing this, and uh, you wouldn't let me have her kill somebody. Yeah. And that would have put Merlin back very squarely and very logically back. You know, the whole thing with the League of Assassins, which I guess we can't use now because that might come up in a future Batman movie. <sighs> but uh, the whole thing with the League of Assassins was stupid and goofy. The only thing I liked about it is that Nyssa still honors the fact that even though she was forced into marriage with Oliver, she still, like, respects him as her husband. I know, I she think, still calls him husband. <laughs> right. I think it's so cute. You know, that relates, so like, cute. you know, it's like, she... she you know, has no feelings for him as a husband in romantic nature, but she honors and respects him as a husband. It's like she honors the institution of marriage, <laughs> right. forced just, or otherwise. It was just really cute, I felt, that, you know, <laughs> that relationship, um, you know, there. And Well, I think it's because she respects him as a person. Yeah, no, I mean, there was no... Uh, I, I never had a problem with, with their uh, relationship in terms of, like, respecting each other, but yeah, this is like... And do you, don't you think that once the League of Assassins has been, you know, disbanded, she could stop calling him that? Well, no, I know, and I, I don't, I, I think it is goofy on one level, but I also just thought it was kind of cute and endearing. It's, also, it's more of a character quirk. Right. <laughs> her, her honor won't allow her to call him anything but husband. Right. Uh, uh, but, um, but yeah, Laurel, Laurel's death was completely unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, I call it fridging. Her mm-hmm. character because she could do nothing about it. She was just kind of hanging there mm-hmm. as dark just comes. And I mean, I guess that they're saying that the choice was that she chose to go out that day, even though everyone was telling her not to, which already felt like you knew she was going to die because how everybody was like, well, you know, Laurel, you really shouldn't do this. And I'm like, when have you guys ever been like that? Yeah. <laughs> no, like, you guys never do. You all have something to risk <laughs> by going out there. And you never go like, hey, because you got something to risk, you should really just hang home and, you know, make some sandwiches or something. Yeah, well, and, and, and the whole, like, you know, they're, they're basically, like, broadcasting with, like, she, like this is the last thing I'm going to do because I'm going to, you know, just focus on being a district attorney and all that kind of stuff. It's like, wow, way to just phone that one in, guys. <laughs> and then, and I think this is what kills me more, is that when she's, you know, on her deathbed, essentially, and she's just telling Oliver, like, you should you find a way back to Felicity. Like, you're the love of my life, but I'm not the love of yours. And it's just like, and, she, and she's just like, and I'm okay with that. Like, wow. Yeah. Wow. Like, way yeah. to make everything about Laurel's death about Ollie instead. Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing. You know, people were saying like, well, they didn't really, her character wasn't really working and they had to kill her off. That's the fault of the writers. Mm-hmm. Because last season, Laurel was the 
season. Mm-hmm. I loved everything that Laurel did last season. The the learning how to fight, not caring what Ollie thought, you know, because Ollie's going to control all the women in his life. <laughs> and her just being like, well, no, I think, it's, I think it is one of his flaws. Yeah. And, and I, he just needs to control way. everybody. Yeah. And, and for her to just be like, no, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And for her to not care that she was constantly getting beaten down, she was just going to, you know, figure it out and learn how to fight back. That was that was great. It was a really strong character that emerged from Laurel, and I really liked Laurel in the first season too. It was that second season where they had that whole drug arc where yeah. you know I felt like Laurel was kind of weak, and that was because they brought Sarah back, and I think I had to put their Laurel ideas on hold for a while. Mm-hmm. But um, but this season it was just like I think the writers already knew they were going to get rid of her, and that's why nothing was happening with her. Because even when they did the flashback in the next episode where Ollie flashes back to when he had like met with her right after um, the Tommy had died, yeah, that was that same chemistry from season one. It came back. Mm-hmm. I, I liked them again. I liked them together, and I, I was like, this is great. And I was like, there was still potential for this character if the writers just hadn't like given up on her or something. Yeah, they were like, we needed a big death because, you know, with them flashing forward to this whole thing because they wanted you to, like, oh, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? It's like, it's like, just... I, I laughed every time somebody said Felicity because I was like, there's no way in hell that it's Felicity. Yeah. So it's like, she's not, she's not as expendable as she used to be. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, I mean, with the, the growth Laurel has made and the fact that she is a very, she's also a very flawed character at the same time. And that's good. We need flawed characters, especially flawed women characters, you know, and, and, and ones that are, uh, they have ownership of what they do. And yeah, like you said, Laurel was taking, taking upon herself to go out there and honor her sister regardless of what Ollie thought, because Ollie does not control her or shouldn't control her, you know? And I liked that she was learning from Ted Grant from Wildcat and everything. I wish that they had done more with that storyline, you know, not necessarily like had to go like a romantic route. I don't think that would have worked, but had like Ted work with her more because one of my issues with it was that she like, you know, is punching bags with him for like maybe an episode or two. And then suddenly she's out on the streets, like thinking she can take down everybody. <laughs> it's like, ah, maybe a few more episodes. of her. I, I think Ted needed about 20 years on him. Probably. I, yeah. I, Cause I, I feel like they were kind of hinting at a romantic tension there. And that was one of the things Ollie did. Like, Cause even if he's not dating Laurel, you, you've been with me. You can't be with somebody. <laughs> oh my God. Right. That's the kind of guy he, but see, that's the thing. And that's, if he was that guy and if that's why Felicity had broken up with him because he was too controlling or whatever, there, there were all sorts of legitimate reasons that they could have created a friction for Felicity that they didn't do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but yeah, like, uh, just the fact that this season Laurel has had so little to do in terms of, I mean, just her, her big thing was like, Oh, I'm going to bring Sarah back. Even though it's like everyone telling her like not to do it. And then the fact that she'd been in the ground for like a long time at this point. (laughs) And then, and then just even like the, the Constantine coming in to help them save Sarah's soul, you know, but it was so pointless and anticlimactic in the first place. It just, then they had to like poison the Lazarus pit because the logical extension of this is, you know, if you can bring back somebody that's been in the ground that long, why not exhume Moira? No, of you know, why not exhume Toy Tommy? I mean, you can just dump everybody in that pit. Just have Constantine on tap. And do the thing where you just get a 
beat up like a few ninjas in their head, mm-hmm. and then you like know you they're do. perfectly fine. <laughs> That, that was the thing. I was like, I really, that, oh my God, if I was writing this, it would have been two episodes. It had to be two episodes. Because that whole, like, well, we got to get Sarah out of the fake Lazarus pit, which is just, okay, just help her up, I guess. There's no, wow, that was easy. <laughs> like, two words. Head ninjas. <laughs> uh... Constantine will fight this big one for some reason. I don't know why he's fighting it, but okay. Magic. <laughs> Magic. <laughs> well, then, he, then he sticks the tattoo on him for no reason and just barely does anything. <laughs> it's like... Oh no. The tattoo, remember they explained it. The tattoo channels Ollie's hope. Oh, that's right. Because <laughs> that worked out so well. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I wish they had done that. <laughs> oh, that's I couldn't get that out of my head during that. I was like, clap if you believe in fairies. <laughs> it's like, I, I still... <laughs> like, the fact is that Oliver has utilized the regular citizens of Star City on more than one occasion to fight his battles for him. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure, like, what? why do you need Team Arrow? Just... Make sure that all of Star City is capable of fighting off villains, because that seems to be what you do every time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord. Like now, see, here's the other thing. Mm. I really wanted Ollie to become mayor. Like, when he announced his campaign, I was like, because it's such a bad idea, but it will be so awesome just how, <laughs> how badly he is mayor of the city. But, but I wanted him to actually like, run a legitimate campaign, mm-hmm. and I wanted him to actually win it on merit. Yeah. And instead, this whole thing of he had to pull out of the race early, so we don't really know how it would have shaken out, and, uh, you know, that he becomes mayor just because there's no one left alive who would <laughs> even touch it with a ten-foot pole. Every time someone becomes mayor, they end up getting killed for some reason. <laughs> It just feels kind of hollow at the end. I mean, I still like the idea of it, and I think that there are cool things they could do with that, of Ollie as mayor also trying to be the Green Arrow and everything mm-hmm. else. But, you know, I, I, I'm i just not sure they know what they're doing. Well, yeah, I mean, even just, like, the end is kind of... It's it's a weird way to leave it. Like I'm su- I'm actually kind of surprised that they didn't try to put in like a like a oh my god what's gonna happen next year kind of like what the Flash did and Supergirl and everything and and Legends of Tomorrow like it ends on a fairly straightforward note, uh, which was kind of odd for them. So uh, yeah, I, I I actually like this in the sense that we are kind of trying to take something away from him mm-hmm. and make him more of that underdog. I mean, with Felicity having issues with the company, maybe their money will finally get cut off. Yeah. And maybe we will finally see him struggling a bit, although now he's mayor. Well, I don't think mayor, even of a big city, pays all that much. But yeah. I mean, I mean well, sure, pays decent, but not, like, enough to, like, fund this huge crime-fighting... <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> empire that he's building. Uh, well, and you've got Curtis, who will probably be helping out on the tech side as well, because he'll, I mean, as far as I know, he wasn't fired from uh, Palmer Tech, so... Right. He'll probably well, be coming that's around. the other weird thing is, 
isn't there some redundancy now with both Curtis and Felicity? You know, Curtis has been added as a main character for next season. Mm-hmm. So what roles, I mean, I guess he's going to be the tech guy rather than the I. I mean, I guess she's going to be IT and he's tech. Yeah. But I, I kind of thought that he was going to be the replacement Felicity when, he and, in, 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 when she and Oliver were breaking up. And I actually kind of worried and actually thought that they were going this route that she was going to become the replacement Black Canary. Oh, no. Because <laughs> no, they no, kept no. saying, like, oh, Felicity's going to be so deeply affected by Laurel's death and she's going to go off in a new direction. Which her new direction is basically to come back and be the IT person for Team Arrow. I'm like, that's not a new direction. Yeah, that's the <laughs> same direction. <laughs> It's like, well, stop, stop lying. Stop saying things like that. <laughs> but I, I had this horror in my head of Felicity putting on the Black Canary outfit and trying to be the new Black Canary. And I was like, no, don't do this. Well, when, when they say things like it's going to affect her so deeply, it's like, I mean, I get it, but why? They weren't necessarily close. Yeah, that was the point I kept making. They don't, they didn't have a relationship. And I, I mean, it's perfectly justified. I mean, as both women who were interested in Ollie, mm-hmm. you know, I can totally see them not, you know, even prof- you know, being able to professionally work together, but not really like wanting to like hang out a whole lot outside of the Arrow Cave. Yeah. Like, but, um... <laughs> at the very least, because, you know, Thea and... Uh, Laurel had a really close relationship, and Thea and Felicity even had like somewhat of uh, of one too. So, you know, to your point, like if Thea had died, it would have made more sense for them to go in like radical different directions, you know? Right, especially them talking about Roy coming back next season. I'm like, all the way around, it seems like to me that Thea should have died, and mm-hmm. then they could have brought Roy back next season. And it's like, there's, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it just hurts me somehow deeply. Mm. I mean, and the, you know, because I, I kept expecting that Thea would die someday anyway, because Oliver in the comics has no family. Yeah. So I thought that they were going that, even though I get that it's not going to be a one for one comparison. <laughs> yeah. I figured they would slowly strip away, you know, because they killed off Moira, mm-hmm. and it's like you know, kill off Thea at some point too to have him be you know alone. I, I think they might be worried that maybe it's getting too much to be a sausage fest if they, uh... <laughs> but then they killed off Laurel, so yeah, I well, well, yeah, that I, I know. Mean, it doesn't mean either way, it's a woman, so yeah. I mean, it doesn't change. It's like, it, it'll be fine, guys, don't worry, it's just another chick. No one it's cares. Okay. I, I'm still worried that Lila's dying one of these days. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god, right? It's like, it's either gonna be Lila or Lila and their daughter. Yeah, I know, because, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because that's the thing, too. Like, why wasn't their daughter running around, like, avenging their father, feeling bad about... Like, those things are always kind of weird, where it's like, okay, we had to create an entirely new character, but he already had a kid that you could have utilized for that storyline. Oh, no, yeah, don't... Believe me, I've already thought this through, because it's like, oh, God, yeah, Lila and baby Sarah are gonna die, and then John has a kid with a new person or something. (laughs) He gets uh, together with Vixen, and then... (laughs) Oh, well... Uh, yeah, that could totally work out, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, and especially with everyone wanting him to become like the Green Lantern of the Brilliant Universe. Oh, that would be cool. <laughs> and then it would be a nod back to the Justice League animated series. Hey! Fixing and Green Lantern. Like, and then he just changes his name to Jon Stewart, and uh, it's all good. And then Guy Gardner shows up for some reason. <laughs> Okay, well, I think I think three and a half is probably good, right? 
always go long. <laughs> this is always the longer ones, but for good reason. We can talk about stuff. We can talk about stuff and things, and man. Um, no different than when we're going to be doing the 42 cast stuff, which we can promote now. Yay! So, uh, Nathan, why don't you, why don't you do the honor since, uh, you are, uh, the head of this flagship? Um, yeah, so, uh, I've got a new podcast that I'm starting with Sam, um, and a couple of other people, um, Ryan Guthrie and Rachel Alexander, we're gonna kind of be the core Mm -hmm. of this new podcast called The 42 Cast, and what it is is the ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. Um, so we're going to talk about a lot of different topics and it'll be a rotating cast, um, usually with one of those people that I mentioned, plus, uh, some other people. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, anything is on the table. We're going to go everywhere from talking about comic book, uh, stuff, uh, to, uh, you know, maybe even doing some more serious stuff, talking about autism awareness to, Mm -hmm. uh, talking about, um, you know, cartoons that we like. I mean, it'll... It'll be like all over. It's gonna run the gamut, like we're That's right. Run the gamut, so it's mostly gonna be entertainment related, but uh, you know we'll uh, you know we'll talk about some other things and um, you know even some stuff about fandom in general. Like we got one coming up, where we're gonna talk about you know if fandom is broken or not. Mm-hmm. Like topical stuff. That's right. <laughs> right, and eventually a Keanu Reeves cast. Yay! <laughs> suggested a title for that 52 shades of keanu <laughs> it was interesting definitely. <laughs> well it's probably about how many movies would be in that oh did you count like how no, many i movies? didn't count but i'm just you know thinking about how you know if there's one thing you can say about keanu he is quite the prolific he, yep. uh, actor he, he has a lot of movies under his belt he really so. does and i plan on talking about all of them <laughs> Or at least most of them. I mean, let's, let's be realistic here. Johnny Mnemonic right up there. Right up there. <laughs> <laughs> at least with the Matrix, we can just kind of, like, lump that all in. I mean, come That's on. True. And the Animatrix. We have to put that one in there, too. Anyway. <laughs> but yes, no, it's uh, it's exciting times over here with that girl with the curls and now doing 42 cast with Nathan, who is my bestie on the internet. <laughs> BFF that you've never actually met. Hey, there you go. You you work with what you can, man. (laughs) Um, But uh, other than 42 Cast, if people would so like to communicate with you online, where might they do so? Uh, Yeah, you can find me on Twitter as underscore blogger underscore who. Um, You can also find me on my blog, which is uh, blogger underscore who dot live journal dot com. And then I also contribute uh, reviews to the uh, Earth Station One uh, webpage, and you can find that at esopodcast.com. Yay! And uh, as for myself, as always, it is uh, at darling underscore Sammy, S-A-M-M-Y, on Twitter. You can also go to maniacalgeek.com to you know read articles and also listen to the podcast. And you can also go on iTunes and do that as well. Uh, you may also go to the Facebook page, which is the combination of That Girl with the Curls and Maniacal Geek, because I can't consolidate brand. Um, 
<laughs> I'm incapable and lazy. Uh, but uh, uh, thank you once again, Nathan, for coming back and talking about like the full seasons. Um, if you if you would like to know what we thought about the mid seasons, I recommend going back and listening to that three hour podcast <laughs> uh, because we're just as entertaining there as we are now. <laughs> Um, but we will uh, be back um, with the second podcast, kind of summing up uh, Gotham, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter, and possibly Daredevil Season 2. So we'll tune in for that. That'll be coming out uh, after this one airs in a, in a few weeks. So uh, as always, everyone, good night. Good night.